All right, as promised, we are back with part two for David Villeman. Um, this was a long one, so we just thought it'd be better to break it into two to make it a little easier for you guys to consume. Uh, so without any uh, further wait, this is the uh, final part of David Villeman's Whiskey Throttle Show episode. Enjoy. Coming to you from the Troy Lee Design Saloon in Corona, California, it's the Whiskey Throttle Show, bringing you the legends and leaders of our sport with your host, David Pingree. This week's guest is brought to you by Yamaha, the leaders in the power sports industry, motocross bikes, street bikes, adventure bikes, generators, side-by-sides, quads, boats. Yamaha sets the standard. Yamaha revs your heart. Today's guest is presented by Therabody, the world leader in human performance, wellness, and recovery. The pioneers of percussive therapy, Therabody changed the game with the Theragun device. Their arsenal has grown to include recovery compression systems, power.electric muscle stimulators, adjustable vibrating foam rollers, and a complete line of organic wellness solutions with their TheraOne lineup. Whether you are a world-class athlete or you are just looking to improve your overall health, Therabody has the tools to help. Today's show brought to you in part by Method Race Wheels, the strongest, lightest, fastest wheels in off-road. Method dominates the off-road market, and they have the wheels for your truck, sprinter, SUV, Jeep, or van. SKDA Graphics. SKDA has turned the motorcycle graphic design world on its head by bringing a fast, fresh look into the sport. From outside-the-box designs to retro looks to a complete line of Whiskey Throttle show graphics, SKDA is operating on a completely different plane than the rest. With free global shipping on orders of over $100 and unrivaled customer service, right now is the time to freshen up the look of your ride. Troy Lee Designs. Built for the world's fastest racers, Troy Lee Designs blends elite-level protection with a history of industry-leading style and performance. From motocross gear to custom paint to bicycle protection, Troy Lee Designs is waiting for you on the next level. Welcome back, folks. That was your Troy Lee Designs time out. Get over to TLD, uh, their website, TroyLeeDesigns.com, and look at everything they've got going on. Um, helmet paint shop is open. They're still doing rad designs, new gear, new mountain bike stuff. Uh, all kinds of things over there, so check them out. Uh, DVR, let's let's jump back in. We're at 2001. Your 2000 season was incredible, um, and you kind of said it, it beat you up, just the, that, that many races. Physically, it kind of beat you up, but you were able to do some stuff that year that really very few people ever did, catching and passing Jeremy and beating him straight up. Like, you can count on, you could cut a couple fingers off and count on one hand the number of guys who did that. Did I mean, was that surprising you that you were able to do that? Like you kind of said you always doubted yourself, but, um, and I hear that a lot from guys, which surprises me. Like even Ricky, I always asked him, were you so confident you just went to the line knowing you're going to win? He's like, no, I was so stressed. People were going to figure out what I was doing and beat me. He goes, fear of losing drove me. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a good thing to have. And I think that's why he was uh, successful. He never underestimated anyone. And then worked hard and to, uh, for Ricky, you know, he had a uh, tough career uh, in terms of competition. Mm. He had to beat McGrath, he had to deal with the Reed. You, uh, Lusk, uh, Wyndham. Yeah, There's a lot then, of good guys and he then took down. Stu, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good guys and he was always, uh, always there. So he had to uh, adapt, adjust, work hard, 
to uh, stay on top for like what, what ten years. Yeah. yeah. So it's mm. crazy. So when you beat Jeremy, I mean, were you what would what were you thinking? Like, what was going through your head? Like, um, it, I don't know. I almost felt normal. I was obviously happy to. I won my first race, San Diego. I all shot it, and then I think uh, uh, Jeremy crashed on the start and got fourth. And uh, so, my first win in Supercross was maybe the easiest one. Mm -hmm. I started in front and then the road, and that was pretty much it. So it came pretty easy, but it was the third race of the season also. So I, it wasn't expected at all. Um, but I was, I was always fast. Uh, and when the track stood me, like I was, uh, I felt like I could win. Um, and physically I was good too. Like I was strong at the end of the motos, even if I was still like kind of skinny and not, no much strength. Um, but Phoenix, a lot of people talk about Phoenix race when I pass him uh, uh, just over a lap to go. Uh, very rutted, uh, the truck was breaking down and um, I was doing some getting out of the main line just to have better line out of the ruts and that's why I passed him in that little dragon's back. Um, but yeah, it's it's crazy because I don't think on the spot you realize you just you know bit the the best supercross rider ever straight up. Um, it was almost like um, normal, you know. But but you look, look back now. And yeah, looking back, yeah, it's pretty good. And <laughs> we had a this lot of people um, talk about Phoenix, big uh, either the fans or the media, but. Um, there's other ones that were really good, like New Orleans 2000 also. Um, we raced, you know, 17 or 17 laps together and all the way until uh, uh, he kind of gave up maybe physically a little bit. Um, but it only happens and like a few <coughs> times, you know, still Jeremy was still the king and won 10 races that year. It was like, um, you know, he was so damn consistent yeah. was the problem, was I mean. He was consistent on the start. It was a very good, uh, very technical. He, he could, uh, if you could jump everything every lap in those years and go through the whoops, you were on the podium, mm. you know? So, um, and he was really good at starts, jumping everything and the whoops. Yeah. So it was really, really tough to beat. But it was, um, but almost for me, it, um, it came almost too early um, because uh, after my 2000 season, and we're going to talk about 2001, but a lot of people were expecting me to, um, to do good and to win or fight for the championship, and, and, and it didn't really happen for me. So what did happen? Reason. Take me through the 2001. <laughs> 2001 was... Um, you definitely your results definitely are not what they were in 2000. Yeah, no good. I got hurt and uh, twice actually, but um, uh, it took me a while to get going. I think I got six the first three races, six six five. I think my first four uh, races. Um, I broke my ribs the Wednesday before the first race. I went over the balls at the test track, and um, um, so I rode like that, 
and I wasn't 100% obviously and um, obviously Ricky was better um, MC was still good uh, super good very consistent there's other guys like you know the Wyndham or whoever was in the hunt um, and maybe my preparation was not as good I spent a lot of time um, in Europe I thought at home I rode at home I uh, came back same thing a little bit late I don't I wasn't as prepared um, and I got hurt mm. you know broke some ribs and it took me a while to get going and I finally um, uh, the race where I was good and I felt good I won my race in Minneapolis and uh, I was running second in the main behind Ricky um, finally feeling it was midway in the season or something finally feeling better and um, I know my foot I lost my foot um, going into a turn and went over a berm it was pretty high berm and I landed and broke my collarbone oh hit the concrete uh, no it was a dirt but mm. uh, behind I landed on my, my collarbone broke my collarbone and that was a rough, uh, a rough year. Not only on the track, it's it's the year like uh, me and my dad fought, and he went back to France, and that was it. So I was left uh, uh, on my own. You know, 22 years old, uh, 23 years old. Um, that was a rough, um, a rough year, and so I was uh, on my own in Minneapolis when I was uh, when I got hurt. Brought my collarbone and went to the hospital by myself. Um, uh, I've I've had to do that. It's it, it's March or something. It's snowing. You have a gear bag. You have a rental car. You have everything. You have to go back home the next day, and and you're trying to do it with one hand. <laughs> one hand, and you, you, you know it's it's not a good feeling. Plus, you're not in the right spot on the on the personal side yeah. you know like um she did the fan with the, your your coach trainer dad um, what, what i know your relationship was very tumultuous which I, I wasn't aware it was that gnarly what happened in that final fight like what what kicked it off and how did that go uh, you guys were I don't remember what, yeah I don't remember like uh, after what race or something we were at Lake Elsinore Supercross and uh, in 2001 I'm, I'm sure you rode there yeah. uh, the track was super sketch gnarly sketch huge <laughs> triples and super slick when they put water yeah, down super yeah. slick like very peaky yeah. and I hated going there I don't know why I was there um, and uh, it wasn't a great day. It was a windy, and I didn't really feel like it. And uh, there was maybe other guys that were better, or like doing better lap times, and and I wasn't having a good day. And, um, and so I stopped and I went to the truck, and um, he started the same thing. Oh, you piece of shit! And you know you suck. What are we doing here? And and uh, he spit on me. And. This, that was, you know, I was sitting down and I was taking this abuse for, you know, um, 10 years over since the big, since day one, basically. And um, 
now I'm 23. Uh, I won supercrosses. You know, I, you know, I beat the best. Uh, and I'm bigger. And I'm like, that's it. So I flipped. And I, we fought. We fought. Like legit uh, fight. We're on the dirt, throwing punches. And I, I got him like in, in a hold um, on the ground. And I tell him, that's it. You're done. You're not touching me ever again. That was, that was the last time, last time. And then he said, uh, that's fine. You know, F you, this, you suck, piece of shit. I'm going home. I don't want to stay with you, whatever. I'm like, fine. Just uh, leave. You can leave tonight. We're done. And you drove him to the airport and yeah, we we got home. We got home. Like I was like, um, I'm terrified. You know. Also, I'm driving home. I'm going. uh, uh, So my mom doesn't know at this time. She's home. Um, so she comes, she, she, she starts talking shit about me to my mom and this and that. He doesn't want us here and, you know, we're going home. Um, he called Air France, book a flight. And um, that day, and I, all the overseas, the flight from France, they late at night, like nine o'clock yeah. at night or something. So I drive them to LAX, not a world. And then... Um, um, here and there, I still like talking about something and um, always putting me down. Always, always. You know, it was never good enough. Like, I've, I've won races where he was like bitching and, and telling me I sucked and I was. I wrote, like, won? Shit. Yeah, won some races. Like, it wasn't, it was never, never good enough. Um, and that day was, um, let me see the schedule. Uh, it was maybe after Indy or something. It was after another so good races, maybe that, yeah, February, mid-February or something like that. And um, and I dropped them off, Tom Bradley Terminal in LAX, and um, took their bags, and I didn't even say bye. I'm like, I drove away. Was it hard? Because your mom, I mean, was it hard with her? Because she's kind of caught in the middle. Yeah, my mom was, it was she was like, um, she was great, you know, I still have, to this day, she's, you know, more than a mom, basically. Yeah. I don't know if you can be more than a mom, but, um, best friend, you know, I haven't seen her many, uh, many times the last 20 years because I've been here, but I tried to go, we call, we FaceTime, with this and that. Um, when I bought a house, when I raced GPs at the end of my career, I bought a house and then she moved in with me. Uh, my parents got in divorced like, um, I know, six or seven. So she finally moved in and now she lives in my house. And um, uh, so, yeah, she was she was also a victim. You know, she, it was always, um, uh, that was rough on her yeah. because she witnessed everything. She knows what happened. She knows everything. and. Uh, some people saw some stuff <clears throat> at the races when I was uh, riding 80s, you know, I'm, I was getting beat up between models and people saw like when I later on, um, but my mom knows, she knows the story yeah. from start to, be, to, to the end. 
Um, but that day in 2001, when I was telling you off camera, you have no idea how relieved I was when I drove away from LAX on my own. I, I cried um, because I was alone. You've never been alone. Your whole, you, you know, yeah, you I was done everything mom, together your whole mom time. Mom and dad. Uh, I think my dad missed one race okay. my entire career. Um, it was in, um, in France. I was riding 80s or something. He had something to do. I don't know what it was. I don't remember exactly. But my mom was there. But he wasn't. This only, and yeah. then every time I rode practice, so he was there. Yeah. And then, so that was... Um, so like this huge sense of relief that all of that bullshit's done. But then also like, I'm alone. I just... Yeah, know. I'm alone. So I'm I alone. go back home alone and uh, kind of have to deal with this stuff for, um, uh, for a while. And uh, this, the results are not there. Uh, I haven't done shit. Uh, and... Um, I come back, uh, like I said, I was doing pretty good. Like you can see like a top five, four, you know. Yeah, like, fourth at Daytona, uh, fifth at New Orleans, fourth at Salt Lake. Yeah, but in Minneapolis, that's where I broke my collarbone. So yeah. like for, you know, a few weeks, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a month, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, missed probably uh, two races here or three. Yeah, like a few. Yeah. And I come back to Salt Lake and um, I get fourth, which wasn't bad at all for first race back. And I was doing good in Vegas that year, and then LaRocco swapped in front of me in the Wolves, and I T-boned him in the Wolves, and I eat shit, and I've, I went to the hospital. You did? <laughs> yeah. I, my did you son. ask where Frederick Bollet finished? <laughs> <laughs> Not that time. That was, and um, so that was, a, that was a rough Supercross season with an injury, and then finished on a bad note in Vegas. And uh, we tried to regroup and go outdoors, and uh, outdoors was not was not so hot either. You did get a win at High Point, which is good, but your your results are definitely not on par with what you, you know, were capable of for sure. Um, I want to ask you though, you rode uh, the motocross the nations. Was that the first time that year for France? No, no, I, I, I raced in '97 in Belgium. I okay. raced in '98 in Fox Hills in in the mud. I raced in 99 in Brazil where I was a 250 guy, but I went down to 125 for that race. We finished second with Bole and Tortelli riding 250s and I was, I dropped down 125. Uh, 2000, I wasn't picked. I had a great season um, in the US. I wasn't picked to do it in France. You know, that's the year. Was that like a political thing because you weren't racing over there? No, because uh, Tortelli was doing good. Uh, Roncada was second in the outdoors behind Pastrana, so he had the 125 ride. Um, Tortelli did great. He got second in the outdoors here. And uh, Bolle was world champ, oh. 250. So, okay. yeah, I was, was kind of like uh, bummed out not going because he was in France. Mm. Um, and they ended up getting, I don't know what, I think Bode got a, remember when he got a rock on his face and it broke his Vaguely, nose? Vaguely, I remember seeing pictures of that. That's the year Rhino, Ricky, and Pastrana were in a team. That's 2000. Uh, so I didn't do 2000. And I did 2001. But 2001, I wasn't uh, supposed to be there. Uh, Pichon was watching M250. Something happened to him. 
Boleh uh, was also in the front in the 250 GPs. I don't know what happened to him. We were not the three of us that won this nation. Um, so who was with you in Namur? This was at Namur in 01, which is Namur, like... Namur, yeah. After 9-11 with no... Uh, the U.S. said, you know, go. Yeah. USA was supposed to be Ricky, Brown, and Wyndham. And um, I didn't even know I was in the U.S. when 9-11 happened. Um, it's funny because my dad... Uh, called me out of, out of nowhere in the morning. He's like, what are you doing? I'm like, uh, I just woke up. I'm going down having breakfast. He says, turn the TV on. And that's what happened. So um, I wasn't, at that point, I don't know if I was selected yet because it was Demaria, Luigi Segui, and me in Namur. But all three of us were not in the original team. Oh, okay. Something happened to the three other guys that were picked. I don't even know who it was, but I'm guessing it was Pichon and uh, some other guys. I don't know who. And um, we didn't know if we were going to come. And uh, finally, like flights, we couldn't find a flight to go home. Um, and at one point, they opened everything back up. And I'm like, okay, I'm going. Uh, and I went, but my team did not want to send anybody there, no mechanic, no nothing. Um, and I flew with uh, an engine that I blew out in first practice. Okay. That was great. <laughs> and uh, suspension from uh, my outdoor suspension to, to ride uh, here. And you go to Namur, which is a GNCC uh, track, right? Well, I wanted so you to tell me a little. It's not because I I walked it. Uh, I was I went to Matei for a, that uh, superbike uh, su super and yeah. we stopped because you go right past it. And I walked around, and you can kind of tell where the track goes a bit. I, I couldn't see exactly everywhere, but death-defying. Like I would, I had, a, I would not have wanted to race there. You know, you see the videos of it, and then I like standing there and just seeing. Okay, if you go off this, you're dead. You hit this tree at this speed, you're dead. Like you could die 20 different ways around that track. Yeah, and then you go um, on the road at one point. They put <laughs> yeah. dirt, but the dirt like yeah. uh, washes away and then you are like on asphalt. Um, it's a very special race. That's the only time I raced there. I oh, it is? Yeah, that was my first and only time. So what um, was that like and winning? Uh, yeah, pretty we, cool we there, won. Right? I went 4-3 uh, I went four, three or 3-4. Three, and Demario in 3.5 or 5.3 or something like that in his class. Um, I don't even remember who who rode what class. I think I had green background, so I was thinking I, I rode the 250 class, not the open class. Um, and yeah, crazy. I, it was tough to, we walked the track two or three times. Uh, but when you wrote, like, stuff looked alike and it was sketch. Uh, Shadows. I mean, like... Uh, roots. The worst was, like, yeah. roots. There's roots everywhere. Like, you would get swapped out and uh, in the shadow, you couldn't see much. Um, it was very interesting. And uh, we ended up... Uh, yeah, we ended up winning. It was fun. Um, uh, for me... Like I said, I brought my factory engine the first practice or second practice on Saturday. So I rode the stock, the stock one from the bike that was there. 
my suspension were not uh, too stiff, probably uh, way too stiff. So we had to change some stuff in there, um, and um, because basically I was detonating so much, mm -hmm. even on that track. Um, so all the the head and the cylinder on top was all like screwed up, so I couldn't use it. Um, and um, but yeah, the track very interesting. It was uh, didn't start very good, and I had to battle. I remember like um, I was with uh, Joel Smets in my class. He was running a 250 KTM, um, and I passed him twice, which was good for us because you know Belgium was you know the favorite at home without the US, so they were like huge favorite. So I did my part. That was that was good. Um, and we had fun, we spent a week there, and then Demaya and Segi, they, they uh, I've known Eve for a long time, and Segi also, we rode mini bikes together, yeah. our crazy ass guy. Uh, we had a lot of fun, and uh, it was good, um, it was the first time for France, and it was good after like a rough season to have, you know, something uh, good, something good happen, and, um, but, but 2001 also, you know, what's good about it is uh, in the middle of the summer, there's Augsburg, you know, Augsburg yep. gear, called, called me and said, oh, we want you to ride Augsburg next year. And then we provide uh, Jackie Vimon as a trainer for you just to rebound and try to do something. Um, I trained with Jackie when I was um, in schoolboy class with the French Federation. He was uh, working with them and we did some schools. And so I really liked uh, his, um, his approach of training, like very old school like. Um, uh, so we we started working the last few nationals together. He came to my house and um, in one, last, in yeah. one. Yeah. and then to get ready for for O2, uh, we raced uh, start the France again. Bercy with the Augsburg gear, he was here and. Um, I stayed in, in my hometown and rode my tracks, trained on my tracks uh, during that period of time. Did you make a better track or were you still on your nah, same, one minute long? Same, same crappy ass track, still there. <laughs> and um, so we did some training and then some, some, a lot of riding, some races. Um, and I, st I think all those races were kind of in a row. like. Um, this nation, Stade de France, Bercy, there was like maybe three races in four weeks. So I stayed the whole time there and then came to the US. Jackie came here, find a place to stay in Corona. And then uh, we were, um, we kept the work going. Um, and I wanted to rebound after, you know, rough year. And, you know, I wanted to do good because I knew I had, uh, I had Amy somewhere that I could win races again. And your your deal with Yamaha was two years, right? So 2000, 2001? Yeah, and at the end of 01, I signed again for two more. Okay. Uh, basically, with Yamaha, I signed three, two-year deal. Okay. Yeah. Was your second contract better or worse? Better. Okay. Yeah, more money. I was say, 2000 was great, but then with two, 2001 being rough, I didn't know if they would yeah, try was, to lowball it. Yeah, more money. I think okay. uh, it might have been around 600000 a year, which was pretty good. Um, Pretty damn good. Yeah, and um, still, and then the following, it worked out because, so at the end of 2001, they stopped doing the, the 
team gear with Fox. Mm -hmm. So we were open for gear and that. Did they pay well to you? Uh, Oxbow? No, it was small compared uh -huh. to other thing because they were providing the trainer. Oh, they were paying the trainer okay. and they're paying his living expenses and everything. So I think my deal with Augsburg was 125,000 plus Jackie, okay. which at that time was pretty much half of what I could have gotten somewhere else. You, the following year, I think I got over 300 for gear. So, um, but it was probably a, worth it in bonuses if it worked out, right? Yeah, it was did. a sacrifice for me because I did not care about the money at that point. I wanted to get back into, you know, um, having something uh, scheduled, uh, like a, a, a good training program, and so I could perform because I wasn't going to have another year like that. Yeah. Was he with you the whole season then? The whole, yes. All okay. Supercross season, all the way. Something happened. She did defend around um, Southwick. He was kind of... I'm sick, uh, his wife didn't really like it here. And so I think he's, uh, he went back. It was a break maybe after South Week or something. And then um, that was it, basically. Okay. Well, take us through that season. You, you obviously came in feeling good because, man, these, again, if I'm reading off your first rounds, it's 1 1, 2 3 3, 1, 3 2 3. I mean, you were, this was, was this your best season ever, you think? Um, yeah, maybe, maybe uh, 2000 uh, and 2002, obviously, like, they're pretty similar in terms of results and um, podiums. And I think I did the same amount of podiums, 14 as, and then, but you I won. The, you had the injury in this year though, huh? The crash. Yeah, 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 crash in the middle. So um, that's, um, that was good. Yeah, I was leading the, the series. So Ricky got her crush at on the opener. other opener yeah. and that dragon's back thing, like for the whoops um i win the first two races and uh should have won the third one too but uh something happened i had to f i dislocated my knee at the gym stretching and um, i had to fly back to france the same day went to see my osteopath there came back he put my knee back together because he knew exactly the problem i've had I never had ACL on my knees since I'm 13 years old. Okay. So I raced all my career with no ACL, my right knee. And, um, and sometimes it would um, pop out, dislocate. And uh, that happened when actually Jackie was stretching me on the, on the mat, maybe too much, pushing on my, on my tib and my Pushed knee pop out. And uh, huge pain. I just won. It was the Sunday after the second race. Uh, it was the Sunday we were at the gym uh, after San Diego. And I won the first two races. And now I'm in the flight to France Sunday night with a bunch of French fans and friends. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? I have crutches on. I'm like, dude, I have my knee. I need to go home. I see my guy. Puts me back. Um, the guy is a, my osteopath in France. He's been following me since I'm like 12 or 13. He knows me and uh, he knew exactly what it was. He took me in like super late. Like so it was, it was out the whole time you're flying back? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I got there. Um, I land. I go straight to, to his um, office and then um, stay there for an hour. And then we worked on some stuff. 
pop it back in. I'm like, it's like, you'll, you'll be fine. Just uh, strap it. Uh, when you ride, just don't ride until the race. And then just, just um, uh, tape it tight for the race, for the first one at least, and then you'll be fine. Um, and uh, but the problem is, <laughs> so Jackie did my tape, my tape, and um, we went overboard too tight. Too tight and cut the circulation off. <laughs> Dead. And I, I was doing good. I was leading, uh, and. Uh, my leg was on fire and Rocco, you know, passed me. I, was, I let him go. My leg was on fire. I couldn't do anything. I had like, a, uh, it was getting numb and my muscle had no like blood flow. It was getting like my quad and my calves. I had like um, arm pump basically. Yeah. And I finished, same thing. I took my pants off, I just wrapped everything. But I still got second, so that was good. Um, uh, and then I was leading all the way to the halfway through the season after Alena. Uh, I think Alena was uh, before the break, and um, I was supposed to do a, a photo shoot with for FMF and Transworld. Uh, and um, this was at the old White Sands place, wasn't it? It was at the a quarry by uh, of Kayako Road. Yeah, we called I, it White Sands. It had like that step down, and it's like a big pit, right? Yeah, but I. I know white sand from Terra Firma, but it was, I, I never saw white sands there. But, oh, okay. Um, it was a different spot. Okay. But so I go there and then we're going to do some photo shoot on Saturday morning and uh, real quick just to go there for an hour. I knew some jumps, like I've jumped them a thousand times, you know, that was not that hard. Um, I don't know what happened. I've, I spun or something and I was warming up and just do like a little jump, not so, not so big. And something happened on a takeoff and then I kind of like went over the balls and uh, knocked myself out for um, a while. Did you jump off or like? I just went off and then like at, at first and then I hurt my shoulder, um, broke my shoulder blade basically. Um, same thing, go back to France, it says, uh, you can't do shit about it. If you surgery, takes going to take you three months. So you're leading a championship is you can, you know, same thing, tape it. And, um, I would put some, um, warming cream on just to not feel the pain. Distract you a little bit. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. And, um, I tried to ride Daytona and, um, no way, I did one lap in practice and I went home and I just went to the track, I was done. And, uh, but I raced, the, I only missed one race, but. Can't give up 25 points. I lost, yeah. Especially I, to Ricky. I had 20 point lead and I was, uh, I had a five point deficit after Daytona and I never caught up. You know, I couldn't, you know, perform. I still podium a bunch of, uh, with a bad shoulder, but um, that was it, that was it. <sighs> I mean, does that, did that eat at you for a while or are you just kind of like, oh, well, what are you gonna do? Like, it's, you know, it's one of those things. But it's, it's, it's 100% my fault. Like I shouldn't do that during a, during a season, but also that's something I've done many times. Like for us riding a dirt bike at that point, it's, it's, it's very easy yeah. and, and uh, but you know, it could have happened in a set of whoops at the yeah. Yamaha track. 
like going to the Yamaha track was more dangerous than what I was doing in the yeah. hills. Yeah. You know, th those were like just straight jump. Yeah. With nothing behind, nothing in front, you know. It's not so, like you were doing a backflip like Josh Hill. Yeah. Or, you know, trying something crazy. Yeah. So that's, um, I could have uh, gotten, gotten out at the test track because running super cross at the Yamaha track is more dangerous than doing a, a step up in the hills, 100%. But uh, obviously people will see it differently and say, oh, I should have done that. But, <clears throat> but did, when I looked- Did it bug you though? Like, did it eat at you? No, like, the only- I was leading. Yeah, I was, yeah. And um, yeah, 20 point lead, eight runs to go. Still, it was far to be over. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I just, only on a personal and a selfish way, I just wanted to know if I was able to to win it. Not because to say oh, I'm a Supercross champ or this or that. Just to prove myself like the the, the life goal that somebody chose uh, choose for me a while ago, uh, 10 years ago, that we would get the ultimate title in the sport and um, I just wanted to prove myself that yeah I could have done it but if you look back uh, there's not not too many um, there's no championships that Ricky ended that I didn't win <laughs> yes. so it's true and there's none you know like he didn't win uh, uh, why he didn't win his, his first two uh, rookie years yeah he got hurt in San Diego he got a a foot peg to his thigh and then uh, the next year um, he got third or fourth or whatever but after that if you look at it you know like he never lost he was unstoppable so I cannot tell you today like oh yeah I would have won that, that title so against a guy that never lost <laughs> yeah I can tell you that well even with that injury I mean like you said you came back and you were second you know second third second yeah. third and fourth at all the finishing rounds, so. Yeah, it was, um, it was tough. Like, uh, I couldn't case anything with my shoulder. Yeah. I had to be very precise. Any, any joint was like. Oh, it was a sh very sharp pain. And it's funny because um, the first race I do after uh, Daytona, look it up, it's New Orleans. And then the first, um, the first lap of practice, <laughs> I cased the finish line jump so hard, and I've, and my shoulder like hurt so bad on the first lap. I was like, dude, but I could <laughs> race, and then I went around the whoops. There was no whoops on Friday, but even on Saturday, I did not go through the whoops um, during the day. All practice, yeah. I went to the whoops the first time in the heat race. Because that was the the, oh, yeah. the, tough, back the, the tougher spot. Like the jump, if I was precise and landing, like downsiding everything, it was fine. But the whoops was rough on my shoulder. So no whoops. It was no time qualifying yeah. back then. You were going. Top 10 were straight in. Right? Yeah. So I didn't have to go fast. I just did all on the track. And then I just went to the whoops in a, in a race. Uh, you started out the Nationals pretty good. Um, Glenn Helen with a fourth, second at Hangtown, fifth at High Point. And then it kind of went sideways on you, and it looks like you didn't finish. Do you get hurt again, or just get yeah? I um, I did good. Uh, yeah, podium, Hangtown, uh, second moto in the mud. No, I don't know if you remember. In between motos, a big shower, 
uh, went at a big mud, the second moto. I didn't, I didn't uh, go that year. So. And um, uh, so yeah, fourth in Glen Ellen. Um, I did good. I always did good hang time. I always liked this track for mm. some reason. Um, maybe the closest to home almost. And I upon so so, and in uh, Southwick, I rolled my ankle like uh, bad. And um, in the first moto, uh, I think. And uh, that was it. Mm. Um, it, went, it went under the foot bay kind of. Mm. And uh, I did a race, and I came back. Um, I took uh, some, I missed some races. And then he took, back, like he took a then, month off, came back for two, and then you were done again. Yeah, and then I hurt my, I crashed on my shoulder at, uh, Troy. at Troy. I never got my shoulder fixed. So, and um, I, I sighted one of those ruts. It was a left-hander. And I, I caught something, I don't know what. And then I went this way and I landed on my hurt shoulder and I heard a pop, like something happened in there. Um, so I went back to France and got it fixed. Okay. And I was done for the uh, Troy, Ohio. That was, that was my last, uh, uh, that was my last race of the year. Okay. So you get the shoulder fixed. You stayed in France during the off season? Uh, I'll come back. Um, it's funny because the same thing, I was not talking to my parents, so I was, uh, I flew with uh, Erica, um, my future ex-wife. She was not my <laughs> wife then, and she's not my wife anymore. But, um, so she flew with me, and, um, and I guess I wasn't supposed to get surgery that early, but they had an opening or whatever, and we still had flights booked. Um, so I got surgery, she, she stayed like a couple of days and she came home and I stayed uh, and I did all my rehab and that was a major surgery. I was three months out. So it was your, uh, your scapula was cracked? Yeah, on, on the top. So they so, played it or screwed it or what they No, they, they put a piece of bone from the bottom of my shoulder blade, like, um, and then they screw it back up inside mm -hmm. and they put my muscle over the bone instead of behind right here. Uh, so now like a, if I can't open anymore right oh, here. Okay. So they blocked it that way because it was really bad. And um, I thought when I woke up the first week, I'm like, I'll never race again. Yeah. Like, Pain was that bad? Shoulder was like insane. I was in hospital for a week and uh, I was asking for like drugs. I'm not giving drugs. I'm like, every time I moved a little bit, like it was so bad. And I had this pump, the morphine pump, you know, that would give you a little bit. Every little like bit. hour or something you could hit it or something. Yeah, but I, w I was gonna eat it all the time. I'm like, <laughs> and my, the surgeon's a friend and he says, don't push it. It, it, it has a timer, you have to wait and there's so much you can get. I'm like, dude, but I'm, um, I'm dying in pain. In, he said, shoulders, one of the uh, most, uh, uh, the, the tougher surgery, you know, mm -hmm. to get back from. You gotta be patient. You're gonna hurt for a while. And I stayed in France for most of my uh, rehab and stuff, and then came back um, around October, I think. Okay. Yeah. So how did how did things look going into 03? 
uh, or three, uh, a little different because now you have the uh, Yamaha is a little different because uh, Jim Perry comes from PC. Um, management is a little different. Uh, really uh, signed his deal to ride the uh, factory Yamaha after. He's a, he's a new hotshot, new guy. Um, I'm her, so I get back uh, riding late. Um, I still managed to get ready to be uh, able to race the first world supercross races, uh, Geneva and Arnhem in Holland. That was in December. It was the mud race, right? No, that Seville. No, oh, Seville. Was Seville, yeah, Seville was the mud race. Arnhem was inside. It was like very redded. Um, and uh, I come back, uh, I win Geneva, I got second behind Reed at uh, Arnhem, so pretty good. Um, and um, but short preparation uh, physically and, and everything, so all three not um, got some podiums and uh, here and there, and uh, all the way to Daytona. I get second the day the week before Daytona in Indy maybe. Mm -hmm. I do third or the second or something. I pass Reed. I'm getting back uh, pretty good. Maybe Ricky won in Indy. Yeah, I get third in Atlanta, second in Indy, and um, uh, then there's Daytona. And um, on on it was raining. Uh, it was wet. Oh, that was that mudder where did oh, Reed's bike. Well, that was that, that was 08. Yeah. That was 03 was muddy and uh, day race. And they had this on off with that white dirt. Mm -hmm. You know, the white dirt was like mm -hmm. super slick. Um, and I went for the on off and I spun so bad on a tabletop and then just went over the bars and broke my back. Oh, you did? Yeah, I broke T5, T6. Um, so. My back hurts, we don't know, like, I got, um, uh, I was down for a while, lost my breath and stuff, so, we decided to get checked out, my back checked out, good thing we did, I didn't go ride the semi or the last chance, whatever it was, um, so I go to the hospital, I said, yeah, T5, T6, broken, but not broken towards the, um, uh, the spinous processes, or, or what was it? Yeah, but it was close to. Um, it was not broken towards the inside. It was like on the side of the vertebrae. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like uh, kind of lucky. Um, so right there, I'm like off for a while again. Mm. Uh, and I think after like um, this this um, injury. Um, maybe thought about, you know, uh, some stuff, you know, you get hurt. I got hurt the year before, like while leading the championship, I get hurt when I, I'm getting back into it again. You always think like, what, some, some, somebody's after me kind yeah. of, I don't believe in that, but that's all you think, you know, like, oh, I was doing good. I got third Atlanta, I got second in Indy, being Ricky, I passed Reed, like the two best guy. I'm getting back into it. And in the heat race, at, you know, a fluke thing in, in Daytona, I broke my back. I'm out for, you know, a few, couple months at least. Um, so that's kind of rough, a little rough. But 
same thing, contract season, I go, come back for the Nationals. Uh, I might go in like a podium or two or something, but um, not lighting the world on fire outdoors. Um, and still managed to sign another deal though. I signed a 0405 again for Yamaha. And um, at the end of 03, um, I go to uh, uh, I go to home again. I race Brussy. I go down. Uh, I race Brussy on a 250F. Um, I ride a Yamaha Shore bike. That was kind of fun. I really liked to to race in, in France in Paris, which was you know Brussy or Stade de France because uh, we raced in the U.S. It wasn't home, you yeah. know all year and uh, if it feels those are feel good races yeah you know like you see yeah. a lot of friends you have family coming <laughs> and then well, plus you have history as a kid going there and watching guys who would end up being your yeah. heroes right um yeah. you know you th there's there's a lot of emotional history and, and actual history there for you yeah because that's where like where it, it kind of started for me um i um but more, more about like having the crowds for you, and then you know, and I was like racing there, like the atmosphere, and, and speaking French, actually get to speak yeah. your language, probably, yeah, and eat a good croissant once yeah. in a while. But so yeah, uh, I went down and I, I made the sacrifice basically to ride a two fifty F, which was like very very challenging uh, because you hadn't really done any four stroke, no four stroke at all. Uh, just yeah, outdoors I, I would the four fifty. In in oh, oh three three okay oh three like this the first year we went two fifty two stroke indoors and then four fifty outdoor we decided like a few weeks couple of weeks before the the first race um, really stayed with uh, the two stroke but I went up um, but Supercross was weird you have to think about it. it's a carburetor bike you know they bug you know like when you land hard like. Pop, pop. There's oh, like yeah. always that little bug, yeah. so it was a little. Um, and the two strokes were. You guys had them so tuned and dialed in. Yeah, two stroke was like super crisp. Yeah. So coming down uh, to 50F was a little challenging, but um, I think I went two the first night, second the first night, second the second night. Uh, I think first night behind Andrew Shaw, he was riding a 125 Suzuki. The second I got second to GL on a 125 KTM, and I finally won the the last day and won the, the overall, the overall, which was which was cool. Um, and you um, speaking of Bercy, you have the record there for uh, yeah four wins in your stats here. You know, let's see, four-time winner of King of Bercy, and it's almost 30 years old. I guess maybe it's around 30 years old at this point. No one's won more there than you have. Yeah, that's a pretty cool little feather in your cap. Yeah, it's it's. I'm not from Paris, you know. Like uh, historically, people from Marseille hates Paris. Oh, really? It's like a very rivalry, soccer rivalry, okay. and and it's rivalry also of uh, the capitals. You know, we fought to be capitals. Yeah. Our city is the first city in France, but Paris is the most populated. Whatever, but. Um, I always did good in Paris. They, they had four uh, Stade de France, the, the stadium where they had the Walker Finals in 98. I won the four races they ever had there. And I won four times Brussy, 
in the main class and then two times in a 125 class. So I had a lot of success in Paris, yeah, yes. Yeah, that's cool. And then so, so I, that's why every time I had the opportunity to do it, uh, obviously it was good money, but when you make a million bucks, what's 50,000? You know, it wasn't really yeah. much about the money. It was really for the experience and the fact that I wanted to race in front of the French crowd, basically, uh, at least once a year. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's, that's the last one. Last time I, I won, I should have won another one, but that's the last time I won, 2003. So this this 04 season, again, you have great finishes, man. Second at the opener, you know, one, two, three, four, five, I think six I, I, podiums, seven podiums. I mean... I think it's maybe eight, you know, four, maybe eight podiums. I think I, I put them half of the races, if I remember right, or maybe not. Um... But always, uh, yeah, two, three, four, five, two, three, four, five. But Dino win a race. Um, uh, oh, four. Uh, Reedy and Wyndham were like better than me. And then I think I finished behind La Rocco in the championship, uh, which I think he got third. Um, I think that yeah, I get I get fourth in Supercross and fourth outdoors. And same thing the following year in 05. Yeah. Four and <laughs> four. Four, 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 four. Yeah. So. Um, but 04 was actually a pretty um, okay season. Uh, I was a little off the pace to win a race, but, uh, but um, um, Reed was really that was kind of his. Yeah, he was he was a better Supercross rider than I was, so there's no. Um, what no what's does anything stand out from that season for you? Uh, the first race when we podium uh, Yamaha podium. Oh, one, two, one, two, three. Read me and uh, Ferry. Uh, that was cool. And um, overall, it's some. It's great to win, but when you don't win, it's cool when your teammate does. Yeah. You know, some people are. I see nowadays they're like they bummed out when a teammate wins. Um, and at, at the stage, uh, my career right there, I'm like. Um, uh, I, I, I knew it would take a lot of work to be a read. Uh, he was like so good mm -hmm. in 04. And um, ultimately, he became a better supercross, a better rider than me. Um, so if he puts the work and then he's, he gets he's better, he's more prepared, uh, faster, fitter than I am, uh, it's on me. Right, so uh, I'm happy for him. Yeah. So I think in in that um, those those years we had a rough 2003 with uh, Reed and I. Um, uh, the first year he was in the team, he was a little uh, young and difficult. It's uh, still difficult to this day, but <laughs> it, I think our relationship was a little better after. Um, and um, I was happy for him to win a championship. You know, it's. Same, uh, same story. He's not coming from France, he's coming from Australia, but he struggled, he had no money, he went to Europe with nothing, and you know, it's, it's a success story too. Yeah, you come absolutely. here, you win a title, you make a lot of money, you know, he, he, he grinded and hustled, so... Um, so yeah, as a team, uh, as a team that, was, uh, that, was, uh, that was a good year. And uh, I did good in outdoors too at the beginning. Uh, it's funny because I have a stat. I think somebody can uh, 
maybe check that. Um, I might be 99% sure, but so Ricky was uh, Ricky went 24-0 in a four. Alright. Okay. And then the closest guy in the model that year, that was me. Yeah. Yeah. That was an Engtown, uh first or second model. I was like an N4 of seconds behind. But that's the closest a guy was to him in his 24. That's my only <laughs> good start of the year. And I think I got second in that first race. In uh, yeah. Did I get second? Yeah, you did. Yeah, I got second, yeah. You crushed Hangtown and uh, I won. <laughs> yeah. You were really good there. Yeah, I like Hangtown. So <clears throat> your last year with Yamaha, you're in 05. Anything stand out from that season? Um, Lots of top fives. You got one podium. Tough. And with the bike, we had a, a rough time with the new uh, frame, with the aluminum frame. We had a tough and time. This um, is, you're all on four strokes at this time, right? No, 05, Oh, you're still 252 stroke. Okay. Yeah, even really on this time. Okay. Um, yeah, it was a little more rigid, huh? So the stuff you guys had used in the past. Yeah, and, and, and they also changed the swing arm, too. The swing arm was different. Um, and then we had a tough time in the whoops where we were very good in them for the longest time mm -hmm. and we have a traction problem in the whoops and so we we went back to back and we liked the steel frame but there's no way we're gonna be able to ride the steel frame uh so we had to make it work somehow and uh, we changed uh, i think we we put a 04 swing on back on i think it was a little better with a few things um uh, i think the also the forks, like the big... Uh, big diameter stuff not working. Yeah, those cone thing. Um, people think like the bigger it is, the stiffer it is, but it's kind of like the opposite way. The bigger and stronger a fork is has less flex. flex. Less flex means more uh, go in and out. Uh, so it was very good outdoors. Supercross, not as good. Um, um, but yeah, I did not... Didn't, I got fourth again. I did not podium one race in 05 in Supercross. None. Yeah. Zero. But still, Lots of fourths. Jeez, you're yeah. like six fourth place finishes. Yeah, I was, uh, I was in the top five. Oh, yeah, I got finished fourth again. And I think I put, did I podium Town again? Yes. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I podium Town again. You know. They need to put a monument up to, to you there. <laughs> yeah. So. so, all right, you get through this season and... This is when you went to the, was it Buku Honda in yeah. 06? Yeah. Tell me about that deal, because that was like a, a, that was the, they did the TV show Reality of Speed. Yeah, right? all this stuff, yes. This was your um, trip to, you lived in Dallas for a little while. Yes. And um, so at that point, I have a contract for 06 with Yamaha, one year deal. Um, basically, it's a, just a one-year deal, maybe half of the money, and I have to ride the four-stroke. Um, at that point in 05, everybody older than the, some other guys, they're on two strokes. Uh, Ferry rides the four-stroke. He's having a lot of issues. He's lo losing the carb one time. One time his bike is bogging. They don't know why. He crashes hard. Uh, we see him come back with a 252 stroke at one point because he wasn't confident in the bike anymore in Supercross. Um, so at that point, I still want to race. Uh, I want to see what's out there. I don't have much um, options. I have this contract, which I can find it. I found it 
I just moved like over a month ago and I found a box of all my old contracts yeah. and stuff. And I found this, the offer that I never signed for, from Yamaha for 2006. Okay. So if it was 450,000, like close to half of the money, half of the money that I was making the year before and bef right the first stroke. In and out, indoors and out. Yeah. Before, money, I had, I made a lot of money already in the first six years here, so money was not really a big deal. Uh, but to tell you the truth, I was scared about the bike because I've seen what happened with Ferry and stuff. So I don't well, want Henry. I mean, there's been some. Yeah, but I was right there on the track when he lost the carburetor or when uh, back bogged for no reason and, and he went over the bars, you know. So like, I ain't doing this. I ain't doing this. Crash I'm not, test dummy. Yeah, I'm yeah. not doing this. And it turned out that the 06 was actually good and then they fixed a bunch of problems. But who wrote it in 06? Who took that deal? Uh, that's, a good question. that's a good question. Was it Ferry? Um, I, I'm not really sure. I know Reedy was still there okay. in 06, but um, I'm not really sure. Okay. Who took, uh, I think it was Reedy and uh, Voss. Oh, Voss. It had to be. Okay. Um, so at the time I, I'm, I'm, I need to sign the deal, I don't do, I did not try the 06 yet. I don't know if the bike's going to be good, more reliable. Uh, I got hurt enough on my own <laughs> problems. Yeah. I don't need to add more yeah. on it. So I wasn't really confident. So I said, hey, I'm going to say no. And. Uh, I was working with OMS, uh, Fred Bramlett back then, and then he came up with this deal with uh, that Buku thing. Um, there was Samsung back oh, yeah. before that. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen the show and I'm like, ah, yes, no. So I went there, I tried the bike, the 250 Honda. I was all right, it wasn't a factory bike, but it was, I could ride around. And, um, and we ended up uh, doing this deal, which was, you know, super cost only. Uh, more money than uh, uh, more money because two year deal like um, that was pretty much for me when I s signed this deal. It's my last two years. After. You're kind of thinking, okay, this will yeah. be my last deal. Okay. Like uh, Las Vegas 07, I'm done. Um, so we moved all the family to Dallas. We buy a house. So we load up a U old truck and. I drove. Uh, was that part of the deal? You had to live in Dallas. They yeah, wanted you living on site for, yeah, the TV. for the TV show. So obviously that doesn't uh, doesn't work. We start on the two stroke, then we go after a couple of races. We go to the four stroke, um, and I got a ten nine or something, and then she did the fan. I got a full problems. And uh, I missed the main in St. Louis and I crashed in, da in Daytona. I missed the main too. I'm like, no, I was, I'm done. Was it the bike or just kind of the whole package? Yeah, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It wasn't good to be, uh, to be competitive. So I was like, uh, I wasn't competitive. Uh, equipment wasn't competitive. So I was like, okay, we, um, we got to stop this stuff. So we uh, find a way to just break contract and that's it. So, uh, and they were cool about it. 
uh, they knew like there was wasn't working they were paying me like a bunch of money for no results uh, I think um, the TV show worked pretty good because there was a lot of drama they were they were good at editing the stuff you know like uh, um, it was uh, typical Hollywood right like they would did they script anything uh, the, like, some you, stuff hey, go or, in and yell at this guy no not like this but there, there was some stuff some days what we have to do and stuff it's a reality show but it's not very real right some stuff are like it's you know, scripted. Yeah. Um, but I think the show did good, and a lot of people loved it. Uh, I don't think I looked very good in it, but <laughs> who, who cares? It doesn't really change my life today, you know. No. Um, so, but the the breakup was pretty smooth. Where, uh, you know, we we decided that that's it. You stop paying me, and then uh, I'll stop, and you can you guys can you know keep going, and I'm done. So I lived the, the family in Texas for a while, and um, I'm um, I'm eating a, a ankle injury from Daytona that I hurt, and so I cannot ride at that point. I'm like I'm going to take a couple weeks off and figure out if I can do the nationals, and. Um, uh, I called around and I need a bike just to keep riding and then do some training uh, in, in Dallas and stuff, you know, this, it's not like California. So I take a bunch of stuff, uh, I take another U-Haul trailer on my truck and I drove all the way here. I stay at the buddy's house in Menifee, uh, so you can stay here wherever you want. So I put my stuff there and um, I called Keith and I said, hey, do you have a, uh, I don't know why I called Keith. First of all, I said, oh, can I, can I get like a loan bike or something just so I can just keep riding and maybe get ready uh, for the nationals and train in case something open and I can get a ride and uh, do the nationals. Um, so we made, um, we find a way like um, Keith says, oh, I can uh, give you bikes and parts, and um, uh, I can give you the bonus program you had last year as a factory guy. So I'm like, cool, but it says, I can't put you in the factory truck. You gotta, you have to find a truck, but I give you all the, the bike and parts. Plus if you podium, we'll, uh, we'll pay you uh, bonuses. Uh, I thought that was a fair deal. So I shopped around and so I ended up with Motorworld. They were a Yamaha team, but they were O'Neill gear, and I needed to make a little bit of money. Uh, I wasn't gonna ride for free. Uh, I needed some, something. Um, I still had gear for my helmet, my goggles, um, uh, boots, no, because that was part of the Boku deal, but um, the only money I got basically is from uh, gear, like no fear. Gave me a little bit of money for the nationals. I got Motor World to pay my expenses, Yamaha to the parts, and we went on to to um, to race nationals, and they actually turned out pretty good. Yeah, yeah, um, your results. Like, I mean, I um, I, I did not podium or light the world on fire, but I was top privateer and um, got some top fives, four five. Well, you did podium at Spring Creek. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that one. <laughs> forgot about that one. The mutter of all mutters. Yeah. You were, ah, that's funny because um, 
you were announcing the race. Yeah, yeah and I was then doing you remember when uh, when so that when Stu and Chad was stuck in that uphill, yeah. and I went by him, <laughs> and you did you like a fist bump, yeah. I mean, like that. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. I was actually lapping him. That was they were getting lapped Dude, right there. They were stuck for a while. That was a crazy mud race. I mean, I had and then Bubba go fast, and then he hit a guy, and then he eat oh, shit again. That was this. That whole scene was comedy. But yeah, I was, was really it. glad I wasn't on the track. So talking about like um, Keith and stuff and, um, and and Yamaha. So before the nationals, he says he said to me, "We'll give you uh, bonuses just like if you were a factory guy. Okay. Uh, my bonuses from 05. Um, so second, I don't know what it was. It was second at Millville was maybe like twenty five, thirty thousand or something like that. Okay. Uh, maybe more. I don't remember the exact amount. Um, and uh, I never signed a deal. I never signed a contract. And I never signed anything with Keith. And he said, "I give you the bikes, the parts you need to race. So you have a, a practice bike and you have a race bike. We we'll do all, anything you want for those." And um, uh, bonuses if you podium. That's the, that's what I can do. Um, never sign anything. Uh, and um, all of a sudden, a few weeks after Millville, I get a check for <laughs> we just showed up, huh? Thirty or thirty-five thousand or whatever. The guy. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. It's it's cool because um, was it just for podiums though? No bonuses four through. No, 10? like when you're factory guy, you only yeah. get top three basically. So I thought that was really cool, and then it was only his world, you know. He kept his world, yeah. and and then and it was nice of him. Yeah, that's all. That speaks a lot about his integrity. I like that. Um, all right. So 06 ends. Then what? Now you you ended up at MDK. Yeah. So 06 ends. So Motor World was temporary. I wasn't going to race with them the following year. So I'm um, uh, I'm talking to Factory KTM to drop down and right, ride 250. But uh, if you fact check me, in 06, in the Buku, um, at Buku, I missed a bunch of races. I was horrible. I, f I still finished 20th in the, in the standings. Mm. And were, I think there was a rule then. Yeah. If you do top 20, you cannot drop down in a 250 class uh, for like three years, three right? years or yeah. no license or whatever, or something like that. Um, so that didn't work. I think I was talking to Kurt Nico. He wanted me to maybe see if I was interested. I'm like, ah, why not? Uh, I was more interested about outdoors. It would be fun to do it on the 250 yeah. because I've never done it in a small class. And uh, why not dropping down? Um, that's the job, every factory rider of money. And then, so with that rule for one spot, it screwed, you. It, it yeah. screwed me for that thing. And then I was talking to a couple of guys and um, MGK uh, uh, seemed like it was the, the best option. Um, so I kept my gear and then um, the team looked pretty good. Nick, we had a uh, good season with them mm -hmm. before. Uh, uh, I would have my former mechanic, my first ever mechanic, Brett Myron. Oh, Brett Myron was back with you? The, the guy that uh, 
that first wrenched for me in the U.S. in '96. Yeah. Brent's been around a long time. Yeah. He's a South African guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, and that was a fun season. That's one of the uh, the, the most fun season I've had. Uh, Is that right? Yeah, no pressure. So we had, was um, Nick with the team again? Yeah, Nick okay. was in there, but he had a tough year for some reason. I don't know why. Something happened. He didn't race many races because I remember being at, alone at the races, you know, mm. a lot. Uh, he got hurt or something. I don't remember exactly what happened. Um, and uh, I think I finished fifth or sixth in the series, which was like uh, pretty good. Top yeah, pri private, top pri private cheer. Uh, I was doing good. I was like, uh, at the beginning of the year, I was super fast. Like I was doing like top three lap times uh, in practice. Like, and um, I ate shit in, uh, <laughs> in Phoenix. I went over the bar, they red flagged the race because of me. In the rim section, I, I, I caught something, came short and then hit the next jump and bada boom, like big crash. They red flagged the in race. The main. Yeah, for yeah. me. Uh, so I didn't have that, obviously. The, the next few weeks were rough um, after Phoenix. And um, when I got back going, it was, it was pretty fun. But, you know, between five and eight, you know, and, um, and between five and eight. Yeah. But I got finished uh, fifth, top, <coughs> top private cheer again. I won a trailer. I won a weekend warrior trailer. Is there, there was a pretty good check for that, huh? For top private cheer. Wasn't there money? I think it was 25000 Yeah. Yeah, pizza, very good. And I think my uh, my bonus at MDK to be top privateer was also twenty five thousand. So that was a pretty good thing. Um, nice. And the the bike was great. That was the the Honda, uh, the 07 um, 450 Honda was really good. And uh, yeah, that was a good bike. They had um, so the uh, the engine was uh, being done in house. Uh, uh, by a guy, there was Pete and Eric in Northern California. They were doing a good job. And suspension by RG3, which oh, I Rob's really, awesome, yeah. Rob is great. We tested like one or two days in both supercross and motocross. Never touch valving or your long. Just click, sag, and that's it. Yeah. I race like that. I love years like that. Yeah. You don't chase anything. Yeah. The bike is good enough. Um, and um, I was doing good outdoors too. You had a, and did you have an injury at Millville? Yeah. I had that I, in my uh, notes, but I don't remember yeah. what happened. And I was also, you know, I wanted to do top priority of both because I had bonuses from the team and I was first private cheer then. Um, and um, yeah, I was uh, starting like top 10 or whatever in Millville. I think it was the second moto. And uh, Bobby. I was kind of inside on the first down here after the first turn. And then he cut across like Who that. Who is this? Bobby, Antonio oh, Bobby. Oh, Bobby, yeah, yeah, Bobby. And then he took my phone in and then I crashed hard. And But I was like in the first group kind of, mid-back, 10, 12, whatever. And then like a bunch of guys run over me. Same thing, took a nap right there. Oh, you were out. Yeah, and then, um, Broke my back again, uh, same spot, same, same vertebrae, different spot, I should say. And uh, same thing, I broke a sternum, uh, collarbone, Jeez. ribs, back. I was in rough, rough shape. 
I stayed in a Rochester, Minnesota hospital, Mayo Clinic for a couple few days. Um, I had um, bruises in my back, like I was in a fight with the uh, mountain lions, mm. full of sand. They didn't really touch me there. And then when they wanted to clean me, I was screaming. It hurt. I had like open wounds everywhere. So that was that was rough. And I had um, the guy from Enzo stay with me though. That was that was cool. Uh, his name was Lindsay. Um, it was Paul the, Lindsay. No, not, not the motor world guy. No, no. It was um, I don't remember his last name. Uh, his first name okay. was Lindsay. Hmm. He was a uh, Enzo rep bringing okay. gear to the races and stuff. And um, he stayed with me for a couple of days at um, uh, the Mayo Clinic. At the clinic. And that was nice because I was alone again. I was alone at the race. And uh, he put me on the flight back. And uh, I flew straight from uh, Minneapolis to San Diego. And, uh, and my wife got me right there at the, at the airport, all like, Screwed up. Beat up. Had a broken collarbone, back, ribs, sternum, and I was like, so that was it for a while. So that was the end of 07. Yeah. Uh, what happened next? Then before uh, before Millville in a Redbud uh, 07, uh, actually before Redbud, around in the summer, uh, Suzuki contacted me to, um, okay. to, to ride with them. Uh, and develop and test more like a test rider kind of guy and still go to the races for that new EFI bike. Mm. Um, uh, so I was like excited to go to uh, like a factory team again and, uh, and all that money was okay. Uh, and uh, at the same time, I had a two year deal with MDK um, and they were switching to KTM. Uh, I went to try the K I went and tried the KTM back then. So that was it's summer of '06, and uh, that bike is not made for to ride supercross. I have a 450. I have to sh to hit everything in first gear outside the turn, out of the turns. Um, I stop. I'm like, guys, you need a new gearbox here. Like the gearbox is wrong. You know, like I cannot put like four or five teeth in the back just to be able to do stuff in second. Yeah. Like the, the, the gearbox is off. You need something else for Supercross, you cannot ride like that. Um, so I'm not feeling it going to KTM. I never rode anything than um, Japanese bikes. And it feels so great. Back then, they, they really had a different feel. Like yeah. They were a weird feeling bike. They were like heavy, top heavy and yeah, not like now. Now they, no. look, they look like nimble and good, yeah. but... Um, so I get out of my deal. I get out of my MDK deal, which cost me 50K. And... Um, same kind of deal. You just stop and you, know, you deal with like not getting paid the last two payments or whatever. And then, you know, so... It cost me basically 50000 to get on my deal. And then I signed the, the, the Suzuki contract and I gave them back at Redbud. So that's before Millville and before I get hurled bad again. Mm -hmm. So 
when uh, I'm in the hospital, I'm gonna be a Suzuki guy. I'm kind of excited about it, but I'm off for like a couple months with this all of these injuries. Um, and I come back uh, um, October or something, and um, and the bike is not good. Oh no! No, the bike is is rough. Bike is heavy. It's slow. It it feels slow with the EFI, like very linear, no yeah. hair. Um, never clean you know issues with uh with uh cdi and and the fuel uh only one kind of fuel at one point works the other you put all the fuel the bike seems like it's in uh as the choke on on uh rough rough the beginning um so i get hurt again Uh, i pre-season yeah, I okay. get I get hurt, um, the water of the track, and I spun on the face of the triple, and I case the shit of it, and I kind of like um, sprain my thumb, so I'm off like a few a few weeks, and um, at that point I'm like, same thing. I'm I'm, I'm not having it. I'm not messing with the bike. I'm like, the bike is. The other guys look good. I can do it. I, I don't know. <laughs> Who else is testing this with you? Uh, Alessi's in the team, Mike Alessi okay. and uh, Michael Brown. Okay. Um, so I don't know what um, what kind of parts I have. I don't know if I have uh, new parts that need to be tested. I don't know if I have the good ones. Um, I think at that point it didn't even stop, and uh, they see like I'm not having it. Like I'm, I'm, I'm still. I'm, I'm testing and I say the same thing every day. Every day. I'm like, there's a problem with ECU. There's a problem like the fuel is not right. The bike is not clean. EFI should be like the cleanest yeah. there is. And it wasn't. And then we'll change fuel on this. And it's funny because I was talking to uh, Ian, who works at KTM now. Like, 14 years later says, oh yeah, we, there was a problem with ACU. <laughs> You're like, oh, no shit. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I mentioned <laughs> that. <laughs> You're 14 years, you, you told me, you tell me that 14 years later. So you I'm still like, raced it though all year? Yeah, I raced all year and then a, a crap, zero. I like, uh, I'm not having it. Fourth of Daytona on it, that's pretty good. No, but it's the mud race. Oh, that's the mud race. Yeah, I think I get seventh in, in the standings. Is that seventh? Is that? Uh, eighth. Eighth in Supercross. Yeah. Outdoors, I did a couple. I only do three races and I'm done. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And were you, you were supposed to do them all, but you just said, I'm out. Yeah, we stopped like, um, same thing. I crashed again at the comp edge after the, the first race. It goes bad. Um, another hit to the head. Uh, knee. I get my... I tore my meniscus, mm. um, go back to France, get my meniscus cleaned up, come back for Butch Creek, not prepared, uh, uh, not going well. And then we say, <laughs> you know what, that's it, we're done. Let, let's call it. Yeah, let's call it a okay, season. Okay, so I thought you had retired after that season, and then I, somewhere I read you went back and did some GPs for a Kawasaki team. Yeah, for, like, yeah, French team, bird racing team. So. At the end of um, same thing, they they came to 
the summer away and then they ask, oh, it'd be cool if you race for us, French team, you know, like you can, you know, um, get a place by us. They live, they based at the French Huntington Beach, basically. Okay. The, the Which is called what? Like what? Oscar. Let's okay. go. That's where like Bilabon, Quicksilver, all those companies right there. Um, it's a, it's very it's a soft city, um, super nice. In the winter, it's dead. It's mm-hmm. as dead as uh, as it gets. But and Jackie Vimon, the guy that trained me in, in O2, trains the guys of the team. Okay. Um, and I'm like. Uh, maybe I, I'll I'll do it. Money is okay. Um, it might be good for my kids to. They didn't start um, elementary school yet. Uh, maybe to go in France and put them in a French public school. The school they went to. Um, so we have in France we have a free preschool. You yeah. know, start yeah. start as three. Three to three, four, five. So three years of preschool, you can put your kids there. It's like, um, um, and then you go to elementary school. Um, they went to the same exact school I went to. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. and uh, so we bought a house. Uh, so that was an opportunity to to have a base in France too. Um, we bought a house. We remodeled in a, a couple months. It was ready for us to move in um, around. Um, November or something. Uh, nice place in my hometown where I was born. Um, and it was cool. We were close to family. My grandmother was still alive. I lived a mile away. My mom also. Uh, my dad was right there. Um, and I said, oh, let's do it. And Erica and, and the kids were small, so they didn't have a much, <laughs> much, much say. say. Yeah. But, um, and... Uh, and so yeah, let's do it. That'd be fun. So we traveled with the kids and stuff, and it was nice. Uh, the kids stayed here for a while, and um, I went to train and um, by the team. I rented a small apartment, and I was like super dedicated. Uh, did everything. I, I was like thirty. Was wait, so I was thirty-one. Just turned thirty-one, and I'm like, oh, I'm gonna. I'm going to do whatever they tell me to do, like Jackie, because I have confidence in him. And uh, so we went on morning runs around the lake. We went a lot of riding and um, obviously the equipment was not great. It was a... What pro- were you riding? Private Cowie. But four stroke? Yeah, this four, okay. 450 Kawasaki. It was a private chair, so the equipment was not up to par to, to race GPs against the, the, the good bikes. Um, so that's fun. Won the French championship, and uh, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, Any uh, good wet. finishes that year? Any high, highlights? Uh, I think I did a top five in 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 Spain, uh, but yeah, not not. Uh, was it fun to go back and hit all those GP tracks again and kind of? Yeah, I think for the atmosphere, it was nice. Like yeah. the fans, the crowds, racing in France. I did the old French nationals. So we did a bunch of, uh, uh, that was cool for me to do that again. Um, yeah, French crowd, which I've, I've known, you know, sometimes you see fans year after year, you know, the same guys. <coughs> yeah. 
I've, I've seen friends I haven't seen in 10 years it's still there yeah we're in the same hat or something still looking a little older a little, <laughs> yeah. a little more wrinkly yeah that's it was it tough then after that season to call it a career or were you kind of like I'm ready I'm no I'm I was good. done I was done yeah. I was uh I was ready to be done um uh, after the Suzuki year um and looking back I should have started after the MDK after my crash in Melville my last big one I should have said oh that's fine just you know, I should have called Suzuki and said, you know what, um, I know we had a deal, but I'm not in rough shape. It's going to be tough for next year. I just like, yeah, you can find somebody else or something. I think that that would have been fine. Um, but Europe was tough because obviously it's a priority. Bike was not as good. I, I thought I was more ready. Like uh, I worked really, really hard in, in, a, in a winter. A lot of sacrifices. I live in a, 400 square foot apartment for a few months um and just doing that like we would um go um kayaking we go um run bicycle ride all the time uh we came in the u.s in january to um to ride we came to my house in marietta with uh gucci Paulin was the teammate my teammate he was riding for them um and same thing like hitting all those tracks and and riding training so i lost a bunch of weight and i felt good physically and everything uh just it was it was a little uh too little too late yeah. to be uh competitive in the gps yeah. against all the, the big guys yeah young kids it's, yeah. it's hard to beat youth um you had 14 years though as a pro, and that's a long that's a long time. You know, you can look at pretty much everybody's career, and it's it's inside of a 10 year window. So anytime you go past that is like kind of borrowed time. Um, there's some exceptions to the rule. Larocco obviously was a freak. Wyndham went long. Uh, Kyle Lewis, who we just had on, went 21 years, which is unheard of. But 14 years is a good run, man. Yeah, and um, for me. Um, as a pro, I would, I would say it was um, maybe only two or three years in Europe and then six here out of eight because some of them were not very great. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I made money for, you know, 13, 14 years, that was, that's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, but it has a lot of toll on... Um, a lot of people see the, the, the big picture as, um, oh, you raise drawbacks for a living, you don't have to work in, you're retired. Um, but there's a lot of, you know, you know what it is, a lot of work, injuries, struggle, and on a personal level too. Yeah. You know, um, it's, it hurts um, your personal relationship, this, this thing, like the struggle, the bad results, the trying to find a deal and, you know, injuries, you get frustrated. Um, and also like you get a lot of people, a lot of riders, they get money early and then blow it. Uh, it wasn't the case for me because I was like raised where we had to save every penny from the cup holder you yeah. know, to go buy. But well, you know, you mentioned your mom is sort of the money. She, she controlled the money and the finances in your house. And I, I thought it was interesting, I heard this a long time ago, maybe clear this up, that you, you kind of set your retirement up 
to where you, you wanted to get to X amount of dollars. Like you had it very laid out. I'm going to have this much in the bank. I'm going to live off the interest or whatever, which is this. And that'll last me as long as I need to go. Yeah. And we, um, the first year I was here in 2000, it was successful and made a lot of money. I I made 1.5 million or something. My base salary was 400. Mm -hmm. So I made a lot of money. And I paid a lot of taxes. I paid $435,000. I wrote the check myself. For in one lump sum? Yeah. Oh. So, uh, because I wasn't, I had um, no um, counsel then. Um, I didn't know what to do. Um, I had a regular CPA. A CPA from somebody said, oh, use this Some guy. random place, yeah. Right, random guy. He came to my house, he did some stuff. He said, oh, you make a lot of money, like, you know, pay a lot of taxes. Um, and uh, that's where the first couple of years, I was doing, like, the regular stuff. And then I got um, in touch with uh, Dave Stevenson um, by, uh, the, with the help of... Uh, um, uh, Eric Bernard mm. introduced me to him and then he didn't want any new clients, but I said, I kind of need just guidance, help, how, how, how to do it. I'm not going to make money for 20 years. So I do it. It, it feels kind of outrageous to pay off a million taxes, you know. Um, I was like, yeah, you got to set up retirement, pension and all this stuff. So, ah, okay, I understand now. And uh, everything obviously legal and yeah. to the T, to the where uh, you, you can, you know, if you work in a company, you have a pension and a retirement. So we did it the same way with the racing. Uh, that way we could have some income when, um, when I'm done racing. But I never blew money, like here and there, like, um, but never like uh, huge houses, you know, a lot of cars, like just regular stuff and always thinking about tomorrow. Um, and I think that's how I, I was raised and more with my mom. My mom has nothing to do with my financial stuff now, but she was, when we raced in Europe, mm -hmm. she was doing the books and, you know. Um, but yeah, like today, 99.5% of my money is invested. And uh, it's set up where if I work, I don't draw. If I don't work and I need money, I draw for my pension. And um, so, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good on, on, that, on that point. That's great because a lot of guys aren't. You know, like I, I've always thought that's a, a void in our sport where these agents will go out and work for their rider and get them all the money they can get them. And then they just go, all right, see ya, good luck. And it's like, whoa, Who's helping this guy to you, know? You lost me an agent. I don't like him. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, they also need a financial planner, someone to help them go. Okay. Yeah, they are going to be making good money. Here's some ideas that are smart, and then if you're dumb, because you every think, time yeah. we would do like at the end of the year, like taxes and stuff, and uh, like my CPA it would come and, and give me three options. You can get more money now. You can put away. You can go like you can go middle of the road, or you can keep the least amount and put away the most amount uh, on your retirement fund and pension and all this stuff. I always took like the most conservative yeah. one yeah, because I did not need. Um, and 
And to a point, it's um, my my kids will tell you I don't spend enough money. My uh, my mom will tell me today I don't spend enough money because but I was raised that way. Mm-hmm. You know, I was raised uh, like saving because you know we don't know what's gonna happen and but I kept that way. I'm trying to get out of line a little bit here and there, but. I don't know. It's it's tough. It's tough. Are you when still you... eating at Denny's? Just saving money. No, 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 I don't. I, I don't eat Denny's. Uh, I do Chipotle, but I don't eat Denny's. There you go. No. Um, tell me about because you you managed Moto Concepts for a little while. For a year, yes. Um, did you do anything else? Like, do you work with any other teams or just Moto Concepts for that year? So, I retired at, at the end of '09, and then uh, I was teammate with Gucci Poland that year. Um, he went and signed with Rinaldi to race MX2. Uh, he asked me to follow him and train him that winter and stuff. So I did that right away after I retired. Um, and then um, did that all the way until uh, the beginning of the season. It was more like a winter type of deal. Um, and after 2010, uh, not much. I was still in France. That's where um, Erica, my ex-wife, like she was kind of like, almost over in France, like, uh, like um, tough with the language, yeah. uh, friends, you know. Um, the kids were fine, like they were having a blast. They were speaking French and uh, they learned. It was rough for like a couple months at school because we took them and then we dropped them off at the French school with everybody speaking French at, uh, at four and five years old. Mm. But that made them like kind of tough and you know so people were like some kids were making fun of them because they were american and not speaking french but they got into it and it helped my daughter she's fluent now she 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 uh that's cool she speaks perfectly and my son has a tough time but um so in 2010 in the summer like erica was like more like i kind of want to go home you know like I, I don't see myself being here for a long time. For me, I bought a nice house and everything. The kids were in school. Uh, I was like, you know, I think I could spend time here. But with, with kids, they have to be in school 10 months of the year. Yeah. So you have to kind of got to pick a place, pick a spot. You cannot do half and half. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we decided to come back. So we kept the house in France because it was paid for. And then uh, we gave it. Uh, we had my mom come and live in it, just take care of it. And we came back to our Merida house, which we never sold. Um, and um, got back to this. So that was like in the summer of 2010. Okay. And then at the end of 2010, um, like Genova contacted me to, to manage his team, you know, Moto Concept. And I always wanted to do some kind of that type of stuff, just to know how it was. Um, and um, so I met with them and I went with them um, I was around them at one of the races just to see how it was and um, and we decided to do it which was uh, crazy 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 rough a lot of hours uh, managing a team is with, with being a mechanic in this industry a mechanic and a team manager is the two worst job you can have yeah, agreed. Hundred um, percent. It was rough. A lot of stuff to take care of. You go on twenty nine races a year. 
uh, you work like a 12 hour day is a short day. Uh, so phone never stops ringing. Never stop. Always need something. Always, always something wrong somewhere with the semi, with the hotel room, with the flight. Somebody, you know, you have to deal with so many variables that, uh, um, it's rough. And like, you're stuck at a desk. You know, when I managed Troy's team, that was the thing I hated. Just stuck at my desk, working on contracts or parts or just like whatever. Bots older. I, I hated it. Travel and all this stuff. The yeah. races were fun. Yeah. But I, I just hated the desk. Yeah. But I think it's, it's a, a good experience, right? Yeah. It, yeah. Absolutely. You learn a lot. Yeah. You know, and, and you can say, oh, you manage a team. I can say I manage a team. You know, and uh, that was a small team too. It was a private team. There was a uh, mechanics truck driver and a team manager. So yeah. it's a lot of, there's not, nobody else. That was tough. So that was all the way to um, end of 11. 2012, I don't remember. I think I was helping Nick Way. Like he called me up, said, oh, can you come to the races some of the time? He was private chair with the Kawi. I think that was 2012. Um, I went to the track with him a few times. I went to races. It's kind of fun, you know, like giving some uh, input on the riding um, uh, side. Um, 2012, also rough year because I split. That's the year I split with my wife, um, separated, uh, filed for divorce, like went to the divorce process. It was actually pretty smooth. We settled out of the court and in, I think, less than 10 months it was done. Are you guys... You get along okay now? Yeah, we're, yeah. we're good. Yeah, we're fine. And um, so, you know, it was pretty easy compared to what I see. You know, it cost me a, a bunch of change, but it, <laughs> it was okay. Yeah. It, you know, I got, a, I, got a, I got a good deal, I would say. Well, she, got a, she you... got a good deal. I got a good deal. Yeah. Kids were happy. We still have a, a amicable relationship. We, uh, uh, you know, everything is good with the kids. And that's the hard part. When you have kids, you don't want to be nasty with their mom, right? It, it turns it, it changes the dynamic. Yeah. yeah. If you were no well, kids, yeah, you I could was, be like, hey. I was, I was, I was nice. I'm like, uh, this doesn't work anymore. You know, like we got to do something. We got to split. Let's stay kind of friends. And then, and let me know what you want. What do you want? And then she sent me an email, I said, yeah, she wants this, this, and this. I'm like, I said, okay, do the papers, I'll sign it. And that was it. That's oh. all I did was, you know, I gave her exactly. Oh, that's way cleaner than most people. <laughs> I gave her exactly what she asked for. Uh. You know, I did not bargain on anything. Mm. She um, was reasonable, reasonable. And I was like, I wanted to do it quick and be, still have a relationship with, with the kids, you know. Yeah. And that's what we have. She was at my house this morning. She picked up my son to do something. I don't know. I just saw her real quick, but um, everything is good. So, okay. but when you first start, when, you know, you build this and um, it's a rough, it's rough. And, and you start to um, blame um, the beginning, you know, the beginning of the career, the, the sport, the, you know, <clears throat> Other than the obviously the kids, which my kids are a success in the, in the story and moving here, uh, but we, if you take them out, um, if 
if I never raced um, or never decided to to ride dirt bikes, maybe I would have like a better um, um, relationship with my dad. Uh, maybe go to school, do something else, play sport or whatever, or just, you know, quit, do this. I wouldn't have to move here, go to a foreign country and then meet a girl, get married, have kids. And then this didn't work. So mm -hmm. I failed, you know, a lot, lot of failure also in, in the career as far as result, you know, no championship wins, but a lot of injuries and basically failure. Um, when it was accessible to get maybe one title, you know, somewhere. Um, and you start like when everything, so the career, you look back, say, yeah, I won races and I raced with the best and um, made good money. So there's a lot of positive. But in my case, there's all the negative that came from it don't overbalance the good. The Is good that one. right? Yeah. So you... If you could rewind the clock and and tell dad, nah, I don't want that Yamaha 60, let's go play soccer, you'd go that route probably, or something else. It, yeah, because today, I'll be 45 in a couple months. Um, on a personal level, it's, it's I'm happy, like the kids live with me, like I have great kids. Obviously, if I, I never came here, I wouldn't have them. Um, but if you take them out of the equation, um, it's kind of rough though yeah i have money a nice house and and okay but um but it's what else you know like um relationship yeah. is tough you have to rebuild uh it's been 10 years since you know separated got divorced and it's uh i haven't i'm not living with anyone yet uh i did not rebuild my personal life where it's like all settled down um, uh, kids went from house to houses, you know, so maybe they, they youth were not as good as they could have been mm -hmm. if we were to be a family still. Um, and me, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be American today. Maybe I'll be in France, do something else. Mm -hmm. But I would have less money, but maybe more happiness, maybe. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's something like that comes to your mind where you know, it adds up like injuries and, and, and coming short of, on, on some stuff uh, on the professional side and on the personal side. Um, it, it's, it's tough, you know. That's interesting. So I find this, this whole concept really interesting because in our sport, all of us have the same goal, right? Championship. That's what we, that's what's from day one, what we've wanted. And very few people get them. Like they are really rare. I mean, it's really, really rare to get one. And so, like, I'll talk to guys. Like, I talked to Albie about this. And I said, you know, if I had just won even a 125 title, I would have felt like all, because I had a crap ton of injuries. All the injuries, all the sacrifices I made, all of it would be, I would at least feel like it was worth something. Like, I have this thing that I worked towards and I got it. He's like, yeah, Ping, but he goes, I, I won three world titles. I came and won a national championship here. And he goes, all I wanted was a Supercross title. And I couldn't get it. You always want you go, more. So no matter what you get, you're going to want whatever more. the next thing is. And it took me a long time to kind of get to the point where I, I really got that and that sunk in. And like, wherever you're at, I, dude, I'd trade my career in a heartbeat for what you did. 
<laughs> so would a lot of people. You know, like you did, dude. Your career was incredible. Uh, Seven-time Supercross winner, three-time Outdoor National winner, forty more than 40, 40 podium finishes, top privateer in 07, top privateer in 06 Outdoors, four-time King of Bercy. Like, bro, that's incredible. Yeah. And I know you didn't win a title, but like, I feel like you got to get to a point where you just go. A fraction of a percent of the of the racing population will ever eclipse that. Just, I mean. I understand you know? that. I understand that. And so got to go, all right, well, we've had some personal issues. Everybody has different personal issues. Like, be happy with where you're at and rebuild and, like, build the life you want. Yeah. You have money in the bank. You have good kids. You got a good, good relationship with your ex-wife. That's nice. Man, the world's yeah, your oyster. So I understand. But sometimes when... Uh, it, Right now, I'm fine. Today, like uh, the last couple of years, like I'm happy, like yeah. I'm where I want to be and everything. But that's when you like, you're in the bottom and then you start like overthinking things yeah. and, and yeah. you know. Uh, oh, I get now it. I'm, now I'm fine, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm jobless, <laughs> which, which I love. Uh, uh, that's great. I can do some stuff like this. I'm not as busy. You've been wanting me to come on this show for a while. Um, yeah, I'm fine. Yeah. But you always think like, hey, what could have been if you had like, you know, yeah. be a little, a little different, you know? And you know, so also maybe the way I was raised where we had to be, you know, always performing and, mm. you know, not be the best, but like winning. You know, winning was important. Um, uh, is that is that like a hard transition for you now, where you were always so goal oriented? Like, okay, this is what I have to do every weekend, and now, what do you got to do? Just be a good dad and like. Yeah, I, I love it. You know, and I, <laughs> so, I'm actually pretty good. Like, uh, since Dylan got her, like Marvin is not racing outdoors. Uh, Cole got her, and got released from his team, so he doesn't know what he's going to do. So I was working with those three guys in the beginning of the year. Um, now I've been off for a while since the start of the motocross season and uh, my son finally asked me to help him out uh, at the gym to do some training stuff. Uh, he never reached out. He always wanted to go work out with somebody else, work out with a, a, a basketball trainer or this and that. Mm -hmm. And um, last year we did some stuff here and there, like he was curious. Um, but after he, got, he graduated high school, he's going to college for basketball. And he said, hey, for two months this summer, I want to work out with you. Like, I want to build up and then come with me at the gym when I shoot. You can be the ball boy. We do this. I'll do some drills. You help me with the basketball. And then I want to go to the gym or you make me a program. I'll follow it. And uh, so we've been doing that. Has that been cool? Since uh, July 1st. Yeah, July 1st. I cook his meal. I cook his breakfast. Uh, and... And I'm, I'm mellow. I'm like, I don't need you to be go to the gym at six a.m. Just you can, it's the summer. Yeah. You know, you wake up at six a.m. in college. Yeah. You have time to do that. So you know, you can still do your last summer at home before going to college fall, and and have fun with your friends. But we'll be serious. I'll cook your meals. You know, clean meals, and then uh, we do gym. And then I'll help you. if you need help on basketball side to be like a ball boy and I'll be there. And then we started um, 
July 1st and we what August 23rd today and it's been fun yeah sometimes it's kind of rough but it's been uh it's been good yeah. yeah that's awesome well we'll keep an eye on him and see where he goes with uh with that basketball thing I know he loves it I see all the stuff you post and yeah. it seems like he's really good um so one of the questions we ask all of our guests uh, kind of the last question is how you want to be remembered in this sport uh, remember it's um something somebody that worked hard to try to to win something you know <laughs> because uh i wasn't born with uh um, i don't believe in talent uh you it's maybe a subject for another show but um i don't believe james stewart was born with the gene of supercross and motocross i think it comes with a lot of writing and training and, and maybe intelligence also to learn a craft um and uh steve and caballero has the same exact he does not like when we talk about nature versus nurture he says the same thing he goes i was born with scoliosis poor i'm short i have no physical advantages i started skating because i couldn't get picked on any team sports he goes and i became one of the best skaters in the world you think i did it because i'm talented like he gets mad about it and I'm yeah like huh, yeah man. for me I, and i get the same way when uh not they talk about me but when they talk about really talented writer like james yeah or Wyndham, i don't know you the the, the good ones like uh, precise or mc or sexton yes they say oh he's so talent there's so much talent no there's so much writing understanding practicing and you know understanding how to ride a bike and mm -hmm. and do this and you're not precise on the, on the rhythm section doing 4-4 four, four if you stir out because you were born that way um so i want i want to be remembered as someone that you know um you know work work hard and try my best to to achieve a goal that was not uh not too much my own to start with it became my 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 own because um that's the only thing i could do in life and um and a real guy somebody that you know speak his mind and and uh have an opinion and and then that's better and a good dad that's yeah. important too yeah. <laughs> well dude i think all of that stuff is is pretty much how i would describe you definitely speak your mind to you like that yeah yeah because <laughs> I've, i have no ties to anyone if I was tied up with the company or yeah. stuff, like I had to be there. But now like I have this freedom where I can I can say what I think, which is is freedom. Yeah. You know. And uh other than that, um that's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time to come on the show. I know we've been bugging it's you. It's been forever. a while. And uh I'm sorry this went so long, but I'm also not sorry. This has been a lot of fun. So Thanks so much, man. And we'll, no uh, we'll get you back on for some other stuff because you're fun to have on. No worries. Thank you guys for tuning in. Stay tuned. We're going to be right back to wrap up the show. Dunlop. There is a reason every AMA championship in the past decade was won on Dunlop tires. They are the best. 
Choose the best performing tire and a brand that has never wavered in their support of our sport. Choose Dunlop. Pro Circuit. Pro Circuit products are designed with one goal in mind, winning. Through passion and hard work, Pro Circuit has operated the most successful 250 team in the history of the sport. They use that same formula when developing exhaust, engine, and suspension parts for every brand. When only the highest level of performance is acceptable, trust Pro Circuit. Since 2009, Seat Concepts has been dedicated to making the best aftermarket seats. More comfort, more grip, more riding. For 10 years, we've continued to raise the bar. Innovation and American craftsmanship make Seat Concepts the world-leading manufacturer of power sports seats. Something from nothing. That's what Nihilo Concepts is about. It starts with a spark, an idea, a concept, which leads to a design and finishes with engineered excellence with the highest quality products created with durability in mind. All our products are made in the USA at our state-of-the-art facility in Stewart, Florida. Whether you are a weekend warrior, ride for fun, or at the highest level of competition, Nihilo Concepts offers innovative titanium, aluminum, and carbon fiber parts for your dirt bike. We offer a wide variety of products that you can customize to your liking. Browse our site for foot pegs, brake tips, engine components, specialty tools, frame grip tape, lever grips, carbon fiber components, motor stands, our secondary on-switch, plus much more. Head to NihiloConcepts.com and see for yourself why factory teams like Red Bull KTM, Rockstar Husqvarna, Troy Lee Designs Gas Gas, Orange Brigade, Club MX, KLM Gas Gas, and some of the fastest riders in the world choose Nihilo Concepts. Since 1987, Coach Rob has been dedicated to creating durable motocross, supercross, GNCC, and road racers through his complete racing solutions program, integrating performance, nutrition, functional strength, flexibility, and mental development. His proven system has world-class results, producing four AMA number one pro plates and over 270 national championships. The complete racing solutions program focuses on the fundamentals of human physiology and how riders interact with the physics of a motorcycle. Its proven process and system helps riders understand the why associated with riding technique and how getting faster on a motorcycle directly correlates with strength, endurance, nutrition, and flexibility off the bike. There is a difference between a fast racer and a Complete Racing Solutions racer. Visit CompleteRacingSolutions.com and get on the path to becoming the champion you want to be. Specialized Bicycles Specialized leads the way in the world of bicycling. Whether it's cross-country racing, downhill, e-bikes, enduro, road, gravel, dual slalom, dirt jumping, or all mountain bikes that do it all, Specialized has the perfect ride for you. The brand is synonymous with engineering excellence and innovation that steers the industry. Visit your local Specialized dealer for a test ride and see just how good Specialized products are. OGO Power Sports. OGO has perfected the carrying case. Motocross gear bags, helmet bags, boot bags, hydration packs, backpacks, and travel bags, to name a few, 
have all been meticulously engineered to maximize space and surpass durability standards that would make NASA proud. Simply the best OGO Power Sports. Intercom on. It's cool to be able to hear what they talk about and how fast they should go. Throttle control, braking, really cool. Extend your leg out. There you go. Good job. Good throttle control, Lonnie. That's a great training tool. It was a lot of fun to be on the track with them. Hey, Lono. What? Can you pull off? Pull off over here when you get to me and your brother. Okay. With a rich history in motocross, ProX has been dedicated to supplying quality components since 1975. Whether you're rebuilding an engine or just need a new chain, ProX Racing Parts aims to bridge the gap between OE quality and affordability. ProX has over 9,000 part numbers and over 60 different product types that are manufactured by highly reputable or even OEM suppliers and are offered at affordable prices to help keep riders on the bike instead of in the garage. Visit ProX.com to search parts for your bike or check them out at your favorite online or local dealer. Audio the guys are just breaking in their race bikes, which will leave on the semi this Saturday to go to the first Supercross for our coast in Orlando. Uh, so the guys are just be goofing off a little bit, do some cool photos, do some cool videos. When you go racing, you want to do well, but a big key is keeping the bikes on the track. That's why we chose to work with Motul. Expectations coming in as a rookie is just to try and get my feet wet and uh, honestly just send it, see where I end up and uh, do my best out there, but just ride aggressive and ride like myself in practice and I uh, should have a good time. Challenges of this sport, I believe, is just simply staying healthy. Uh, with how fast we're going um, and what we're doing, your margin for mistake is really, really small. Stay sick. If you have little rippers, then you have had to have seen Stay Sick Bikes by now. We have created bike and experiences that allow kids to develop sooner and empower them to find their own ride. From learning to ride to sharpening skills, the Stay Sick promise is accelerated growth. Whatever path your family chooses, it's going to be the ride of your life. Stay Sick Stability Cycles. You ever heard the phrase that the harder you work, the luckier you are? Well, at Luck Apparel, they believe in an acronym that kind of sums it up a little more simply than that, laboring under complete knowledge. So it isn't just some random chance that determines what your outcome or results are going to be. It's being educated and working your butt off to get it done. And I think that that goes hand in hand with the motocross industry. You don't get lucky into a win. You work your ass off and you make it happen. So check out Luck Apparel. They've got t-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, all kinds of cool stuff. And we're stoked to have them on board here at the Whiskey Throttle Show in 2022. Today's show is brought to you in part by ZDMS, the next generation dealer management system for the power sports industry. Designed for large and multi-rooftop dealership operations, ZDMS business intelligence harnesses the power of your data for better line of sight into dealership decision making. Pinpoint performance areas of concern where profit is being maximized and opportunities remain. Real-time data visualization combined with drill-down reporting means you can track up-to-the-minute dealership performance across all departments, unlock stories you never knew existed, and meaningful insights into your business. With ZDMS's intuitive, easy-to-use dealer management system, you'll streamline your opportunities and improve communication across your entire dealership with efficient workflows 
while spending less time behind the counter and more time with your customers. ZDMS understands technology is only as good as the team representing it. With ZDMS's unmatched top-tier support, rest assured your customer experience is part of the package. Every team member in your dealership will have access to a support team ready to assist in any way possible. Change is good. Say goodbye to your legacy DMS software and modernize your operations, minimize costs, improve efficiencies, and make data-driven decisions to increase profitability with ZDMS. Demo at ziidms.com today. Welcome back. That wraps up our show. And uh, I really just want to thank DV for taking the time to come in. It was a long time. Uh, it's going to take you guys a while to get through this, I know. And um, I was blown away at his recollection of things and, and the detail that he went into. And uh, like I said, I know it was long, but man, if you're a fan of DV or just or um, personal stories, there was a lot of stuff to unpack. And uh, man, I appreciate him being just open and uh, really letting it, letting it come out, you know. Uh, some pretty emotional stuff in there and some heavy stuff and some personal stuff. So uh, I just really thank him for doing that. Um, and as always, I would tell you, just please support our sponsors. You know, those uh, we've, we've been very careful in selecting who we partner with and the products that we align ourselves with, we believe in 100%. So um, if you can, if you're in the market for any of that stuff, man, please have a look at our partners first and uh, give them a shot. A lot of them are offering discounts using our code, which is Whiskey, whiskey Throttle if they're offering it. Um, we appreciate it. We appreciate you guys' support. Uh, visit all of our stuff over at Whiskey Throttle Media, and uh, we'll see you soon on the next show. Take care. The Whiskey Throttle Show is brought to you by Yamaha. Join the Blue Crew today and take advantage of all that Yamaha has to offer, including amateur racing trackside support, awesome Yamaha contingency, Jason Rain's demos and instructional classes, and frankly, the most high-performing motorcycles available in the market today. Whether you're looking for a four-stroke, a two-stroke, a side-by-side, -side, a quad, a boat, a generator, Yamaha prides themselves on absolute top-level quality and reliability. Rev your heart with Yamaha and join the Blue Crew today. Sore necks, aching legs, tight backs. Our bodies aren't designed to be constantly tense, but what can we do about it? Help your body relax with TheraBody. TheraBody creates effective, natural solutions to take charge of your daily wellness. By combining education, innovation, and over a decade of pioneering technology, TheraBody makes wellness more accessible for everybody. A traumatic motorcycle accident led TheraBody founder, Dr. Jason Westland, to create the Theragun for his debilitating pain. Now the Theragun, the only physician-created percussive therapy device, uses a scientifically calibrated combination of depth, speed, and power to relax and release your deep muscle tension. Recovery Air is TheraBody's world-leading pressure compression therapy system that flushes out leg soreness so you can bring on peak performance. Most electrical muscle stimulation isn't effective. Instead, TheraBody's sleek PowerDot takes away the guesswork with an intuitive app that customizes intensity and placement so you recover faster. Regular foam rollers hurt. TheraBody's Wave Series delivers powerful vibration and pressure to help you recover with less pain. Don't settle for mystery CBD. TheraBody's TheraOne range of topical and ingestible full-spectrum USDA-certified organic CBD products are redefining high-potency CBD for wellness and recovery. 250 professional sports teams exclusively use Theragun and other TheraBody products to take recovery into their own hands. 
Method Race Wheels, bringing you the lightest, strongest, fastest wheels in off-road for your truck, van, sprinter, UTV, or SUV. They've been dominating the Baja 500 and 1000 and every major off-road event around the world for years with high quality and performance. They also look amazing. They come in a bunch of different styles and colors for your rig, so check them out. You can get 20% off a set of wheels using our code Whiskey Throttle. No capitals, no spaces. 20% off using our code. Check them out. Also, coming soon, the R1M Project. Method Race Wheels makes a dive into the motocross world. Stay tuned. Troyley Designs is the leader in off-road motocross apparel and style. So whether you're looking for a cool new paint job for your helmet, maybe your name and number on your helmet lettered on, you're looking for new gear, you're looking for mountain bike gear, off-road gear, they've got the brand new Scout line in GP and SE models. Troyley Designs has it all. They've been leading this industry for decades, and they're going to continue to do it. Check out TroyleyDesigns.com. SKDA is a moto graphics and seat covers company with several offices based around the globe. For too long, bikes and graphics have all looked the same. They just start to blend together. SKDA is working to change that. With super clean and unique design work, a bike with SKDA graphics stands out in a crowd and adds a touch of art to the world of moto. Hey, we need that. SKDA prides itself on providing premium customer service both before and after the sale is made. Visit SKDA online to view the current product range and get in touch with their team to get your bike refreshed. I want to just make a, a mention here that these guys, not only is their design way outside the box, very, very cool. They'll work with you on custom things. The, the products are incredible. Okay, they'll speak for themselves. But what's really awesome, and you'll notice this the minute you order one of these, man, they give you an email saying, hey, the product's been shipped. Uh, hey, the product is here. It landed in this spot. Hey, it's coming today. Hey, your product's been delivered. They, they're just so good about staying in touch with you and letting you know where it's at. Customer service is 100%, and uh, that's just something that's rare these days. Check out SKDA. Here at the Whiskey Throttle Show, we're all about supporting brands that support our sport. And there's one tire company that has never walked away from the sport of motocross and supercross, and it's Dunlop. When times got tough and the economy took a crash, Dunlop stepped up and stayed with our sport to support it and the athletes and individuals that love it. Their MX-53 line and MX-33 lines absolutely dominate this sport. Every national championship at the pro level has been won in the last decade, and nearly every single amateur national championship at Loretta Lynn's has been won on a Dunlop. So if you're looking for high performance, you're looking for amazing quality, and you're looking to support a brand that never turns its back on our sport, there's only one choice for you, and it's Dunlop. Pro Circuit is the leader in aftermarket performance and quality. Whether you're looking for a little more horsepower out of your engine, some quality hard parts to improve the way your bike feels and looks, better handling through suspension or linkage or linkage arms, Pro Circuit is where you need to stop. It's your one-stop shop. You can go in there and get everything you need to make your motorcycle go from average to exceptional. Pro Circuit's got enough number one plates on their wall to side an entire home. And there's a reason for that. They're very, very good at what they do. Uh, the highest quality products with one goal in mind, and that's winning. Check out ProCircuit.com. Nihilo Concepts is leading the way in aftermarket hard parts. With their secondary on-switch device, something that was much needed in this sport, they've been innovating and bringing new products to market. Their latest is the new Nihilo Run-Cool Brake Pistons. They're designed to be stronger than stock and provide exceptional cooling performance with less brake drag. Most OEM calipers pistons are made from aluminum that just can't hold it to the heat and extreme demands of serious racing. When they get hot, the aluminum will distort, causing loss of hydraulic pressure and brake failure. 
Nihilo's run-cool pistons limit the area that boiling hot hydraulic fluid is able to come in contact with the piston, leaving two-thirds of the piston volume in open air with breather holes to enhance the cooling ability. It's made of a proprietary stainless blend, which is better at dissipating heat. You have issues with brake fade or brake failure, check out Nihilo Concepts among their many amazing hard parts and carbon fiber parts and titanium. NihiloConcepts.com. Senna is the leader in motorcycle helmet communications. There's really two prongs to why this is important. One of them is safety. If you're a dad who's watching your kid out on a track, being able to communicate with him about a rider down or a track situation is imperative. You don't want him coming over a jump and seeing a rider down and getting himself involved in that. So from a safety aspect, it's huge. You can also coach them. So if you see them taking a line, doing something that they could be improved, it's very easy to just click a button and speak to them right in their helmet in real time. This has been a proven coaching technique used by many motorcycle coaches. There's also just the simple fun factor. Being able to chat with your buddy while you're out on a ride, share music between one another, answer phone calls, it just takes your riding experience to another level. So whether you're using the 50S or 50R connected through a mesh network in your helmet, or you're using a Tough Talk headset connected with one of those, Senna is the leader in quality and performance in motorcycle helmet communications. Check them out at Senna.com. Seat Concepts is the leader in motorcycle saddles. If you're looking for a new cover or a new seat entirely, Seat Concepts is the place to go. They make custom seat foams catered to your height, weight, riding ability, riding type. They also have waterproof covers and, and foams that will not break down if you ride in a lot of inclement weather. And they pride themselves on being much more comfortable than OEM or any other aftermarket company. If you're looking for a new seat or a new cover, Seat Concepts, there's nothing better. Need to replace something on your bike that's worn out? Look no further than Pro-X. These guys aim to make everything OEM quality or better at an affordable price. And they've also got some new products coming. So right now, chains, sprockets, anything inside the, in the engine internally, air filters. If it wears out, Pro-X makes it, and they make it at a quality level that's OEM or better. And they've got some new things coming that are awesome. A complete engine rebuild kits for the Polaris RZR 800s. Need to replace something on your bike that's worn out? Look no further than Pro-X. These guys aim to make everything OEM quality or better at an affordable price. And they've also got some new products coming. So right now, chains, sprockets, anything inside the, in the engine internally, air filters. If it wears out, Pro-X makes it, and they make it at a quality level that's OEM or better. And they've got some new things coming that are awesome. A complete engine rebuild kits for the... If you've got a little Grom that's looking to get started in the motorcycle world, the best way to get them going is on a Stasic bike. They've got multiple sizes, so from your very young Groms to those who are a little more grown up, you can start them safely. They've got controls that allow you to control the speed so he can't get going too quick. They can touch the ground. There's not a lot of noise to distract them. It's the perfect way to get your child involved in motorcycling at a very young age. And if you've got a kid who's already out ripping, there's series popping up all over. For those of you in Southern California, go to www.ameminicross.com and join their local series. If you're outside of this state, contact your local track and ask them about starting a Stasic class at your local track. Get over to Stasic.com and check out all they've got going on. Motul USA, uh, we, we lean hard on these lubricants to keep us uh, on the track and on the trail. And Motul has proven their quality over and over, uh, most recently with their Dakar win with Ricky Brabeck. 
Uh, they're sponsoring Supercross teams. They're diving into our sport again full full throttle, and uh, we're stoked to have them on board. Amazing products, top to bottom. Motul USA. Go check them out. OGO is the leader in motorcycle storage solutions. As motocross riders, we need a gear bag, we need a helmet bag, a boot bag, a backpack, a travel bag, a hydration pack, maybe a toolkit to wear around your waist if you're on an off-road ride. OGO makes all of that, and their products are absolutely top of the line. I've got stuff I've had for several decades, just to give you an idea of how long this stuff lasts. If you're not sure, ask around, talk to folks who've had some of this stuff, and they will confirm that OGO's quality is absolutely second to none. So go check them out, OGO underscore powersports.com, and look at all they've got to offer right now. You ever heard the phrase that the harder you work, the luckier you are? Well, at Luck Apparel, they believe in an acronym that kind of sums it up a little more simply than that, laboring under complete knowledge. So it isn't just some random chance that determines what your outcome or results are going to be. It's being educated and working your butt off to get it done. And I think that that goes hand in hand with the motocross industry. You don't get lucky into a win. You work your ass off and you make it happen. So check out Luck Apparel. They've got t-shirts, hats, sweatshirts, all kinds of cool stuff. And we're stoked to have them on board here at the Whiskey Throttle Show in 2022. And finally, last but not least, specialized bicycles. If you are in the market to start pedaling, this is where you want to start. Uh, they've got great entry-level bikes all the way up to the Cadillac, the new Levo um, e-bike. Uh, any, anything in between, man. It doesn't matter what kind of riding you're doing. Go check out and start with specialized. Don't waste your time on something that's going to break. The derailleur's not going to shift after a couple months. Get something quality. Uh, these guys make it. Specialized leads that industry. Hey, everybody. Thanks for clicking on another episode of MPH, Moto E, Performance and Health. Uh, we've got Coach Rob Beams here, and uh, today we're going to talk about adrenal fatigue. Those of you who are working multiple jobs, uh, training your butts off, trying to ride as much as you can, you're 100 miles an hour, 23 and a half hours a day, um, and just can't figure out why you can't stop feeling sluggish possible adrenal fatigue this is something i think that's yeah. pretty rampant in our sport that doesn't get enough attention yeah it's i would have to agree with you i think it's it's like kind of a black cloud as you always say it's the elephant in the room that nobody wants to really address uh we were in a you know a bravado sport where you know showing any sign of weakness and you get ostracized for it and it's it's a shame because it's ruining our sport at that top level i mean as you've said over and over again you look at the age that they're retiring it that's not necessary yeah. you know yeah. we, there's, we don't we don't see the burnout rate in other sports, even sport of triathlon. I mean, Jan Ferdino just set the world record for Ironman world record. He's going to turn 40 next month. Mm -hmm. 40. Yeah, that's crazy. It certainly yeah. shows you that it isn't the physical side of it no. from us. It's the psychological and, and uh, it's just the, uh, that, the that redlining. Yeah. So whether you're racing at a professional level and we've seen more uh, chronic fatigue and Epstein-Barr and, and just guys going out early, a lot of injuries, but this, this is... This isn't just at a pro level. This is, you know, the everyman Absolutely. who's working their ass off at a nine to five. There's a lot of stress that Absolutely. goes along with that. And then you tack on, you know, just life in general and trying to still ride dirt bikes and be in shape. Um, what's some things they can be looking for? Well, the, the, we call them the big four indicators. You know, if you're craving simple sugars, if you're tired and you can't sleep, if you have night sweats or you have low sex drive, one, all the above, two of the four, whatever, even if it's just one, how many more red lights do you need blinking in the room? Now, the challenge is 
the, the media, the mainstream, the Google, whatever you use, has an excuse for everything. You know, if you don't have a sex drive, it's because you're not 20. If you have night sweats, you're premenopausal. If you can't sleep, it's because you've got so many jobs. And they have a pill to sell you. Absolutely. Behind it's always an ad, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the part that I always get frustrated with because when somebody is telling me that they have night sweats or I've got a young athlete and sexual dysfunction at 20 years old, I'm like, man, you realize that's not normal, right? No matter what you want to believe, that's not normal. And if you can get past the sensitivity of the subject and you just look at it for face value, what bigger indicator do you need that you need to sleep and you need to eat more? Uh, 20, you should be walking around with an erection all day. Exactly. So, I mean, something's yeah. way off. Absolutely. <laughs> and yet I've had people who have presented themselves in every sport that we're in that are 20, 22 years old, sexually dysfunction. Wow. And it's sad to me because obviously the enjoyment that comes with that and a significant part of life, but if you've got that going, it's, you're probably not far behind on the other three. Mm -hmm. Or they may be there and you may not realize it. So when we're looking at what are the signs of it, and this is where it gets a little bit nebulous, and I hope the listeners, you know, if, if you have questions, you can reach out to us, contact at coachrob.com. When you, when you feel that you're exhausted, stop and ask, what did yesterday look like? Does it really justify this current level of fatigue? Because, you know, you, some of us, we don't have extremely hard days every day, but you notice that you never seem to get out from underneath it. Well, it's that residual yeah. fatigue. It's cumulative. Uh, I, I cumulative. feel this at the fire station a lot because yeah. I'll work four, five, six days straight. Mm -hmm. And every it's not like any one day we had a, an event that was really hard. I mean, if we don't have big fires sure. or anything, but you get up a couple times at night for a call. Um, it screws your sleep up. Absolutely. You know, it just it builds. And after four, five, six days, I can feel really, really tired. Well, and yeah. I'm trying to overcome that with caffeine and think about think about the listeners you're getting woken up because you got to go put out a fire. The listeners are getting woken up because their newborn child woke up. Mm -hmm. they, they got called into work. You know, that portfolio of why am I getting woken up, we all have our unique challenges, right? Yes. And some of us, you know, maybe you're bringing in a, an elderly loved one. That changes the dynamics of the house. It's, it's very commendable that you're willing to do that, but what's the balance there? Mm -hmm. Are you bringing in outside help? What's the agreement with you and your partner? How's that going to be managed? Because it's, no pun intended for you. It's a code red alarm. Mm -hmm. Every time you get woken up, the body, you've thrown off the circadian rhythm and the cortisol level. It's, for the listeners, it's called the parasympathetic, right? Our fight or flight as we all know it. Well, think about it on, in terms of a motorcycle. That parasympathetic system, it doesn't want to be revving all day long. Well, you've got a sick elderly person in your house. You're, one of your animals is down sick. You may be losing your job. You, someone just stole your motorcycle. We've all dealt with these frustrations, but what happens when they just they load up. Like you're saying, five days at, at being at the fire, it just eventually it just wears you down. That's yeah. five days. But for one of the listeners or for our listeners that might be 23, he's like, no, nah, suck it up, buttercup. You can do it. It's a little different when you're 40, 42, mm -hmm. 45. You feel it differently. That's that residual fatigue you're talking about. And I think that's what our sport is really hurting ourselves with is and when I say our sport, I'm not, I'm not just talking the pros themselves. You know, for some of us, we have to travel further and further to go race. And then you go and you race. And unfortunately, the races are very short. You go, Rob, so? Well, when the races are short, you're pinning the intensity. So you do five or six different classes because you want to get more than an hour on the track for the entire day. So very, very short recovery, high-intensity racing. Well, where are you trying to get your food and beverages in between that? Then you got to try and drive all night long to get right back to work, to go work a 12-hour day. 
because you want to race on the weekend. To so make the money to go do it again. Yeah, yeah. and we all do it. We yeah. love it. We're not we're not pulling the victim card at all. That's not what we're saying. But just like if we drove the, rode this in second gear for 45 minutes, we would know we excessively stressed the system, irregardless of the hour meter. But we do it every day. Mm. We chalk it up to being married, having a family, doing whatever we have. And the body's in there just revving, going, when are you going to rebuild me? When are you going to? It's not like an hour meter where we go, hey, well, we had 10 hours. Let's put a new top in. I am a big fan of the heart rate monitor. You can look at that resting heart rate. You can see if it's abnormally high. If it's not justified, you're probably tired. You have, like, the, with the Garmin platform with the new body batteries, it's telling you, you need to be starting your day at 100. You're starting it at 67. Is that really a good day to do intervals? Yeah. Maybe not even go to the track. Maybe just go work a turn track on your property. Go work starts. Keep the intensity yeah. low. I have days, some days I, I, I've got a workout scheduled and I'm just like, man, I don't have it. That's and right. I'll, I'll walk on a treadmill. I'll put it at a little incline, walk for 20 minutes, and then get down and stretch for 20 or 30 minutes. And sometimes that's all I got. Well, take it a step further. Go and smash yourself for an hour because the schedule says you have to do it. Wear the bike down even more. Or go ahead and do a 20-minute walk, foam roll, get some food in you and go take a 30 minute nap. What's mm. going to give you a better ROA yeah. two days later. Yeah. Now that doesn't always go well with our listeners because we only have one gear, right? We always tease about it on the show, pin it to win it. Uh, there's a point in diminishing yeah. returns. And what I think is interesting about this is you wouldn't have a bike that has a hundred hours on it and go, yep, I've got my championship bike. I'm ready to go. But yet we think that we can just drag ourselves out of bed tomorrow morning and we're that we're in championship shape. Yeah. No, we're not. Got a good night's sleep one night. I'm, I'm all set. And that's where those four external signs, they're an external sign of a hormonal fatigue. That's what adrenal fatigue is. It's hormonal. Mm -hmm. It's the parasympathetic system, the fight or flight saying, my red line is redlined out. Yeah. And there's two things you always talk about. Uh, you use a funnel. Yes. Uh, take us through that. Well, if you think about, you know, when I have a funnel and I'm pouring fuel through the top of it, I expect fuel to come out the bottom of it, Right. When you're looking at the adrenals, and the adrenals need to be adrenaling, as we, I always like to tease, what the adrenals need to excrete are HG, HGH and testosterone, human growth hormone and testosterone. HGH makes you naturally leaner. Testosterone increases the red blood cell count, amongst other things. Well, if I don't put MCT oils, high-quality fat, raw coconut, raw nuts, extra virgin olive oil, any of the listeners can just Google MCT, medium-chain triglycerides, that needs to go on the top of the funnel. The funnel itself exemplifies the adrenal system. If you want the funnel to release the hormones, give it fat. And that's what's so difficult in our society where we're fat phobic. We think fat's the enemy. Well, saturated fat is the enemy. It'll kill you. But the high quality fat, your body will either use it or lose it. Well, when you're trying to give the system what it needs, it needs MCT oils. It needs high quality fat so it can excrete the hormones that makes you naturally leaner and recover. Mm. That's why you always hear me say sleep and food are the, the key elements to recovery because you can sit and lay in bed for 10 hours, but if you don't get enough deep sleep, your body doesn't release hormones. Mm. If you don't get enough sleep cycles, you don't fully recover. If you circadian rhythm, especially for yourself with those constant interruptions, police officers, firefighters, doctors, nurses, they're usually up when they need to be asleep. They're asleep when they need to be awake and their circadian rhythm is all out of whack. Yeah. And that's what causes weight gain. <sighs> Damn it. Yep. Um, well, there's a lot more info on your website, and I would encourage anybody, if you are feeling any of these symptoms or you're just feeling like run down, um, yeah. address it. Don't keep trying to push through. Coffee your way through it. 
uh, you're just going to make it worse and worse. Um, well, it's like kerosene on a fire. You've got an yeah. exhausted body, and you're throwing a stimulant in it to kind of just keep getting it to rev until it just can't anymore. That's when you get diagnosed with Epstein-Barr, mm. adrenal fatigue. And for those of you that are more medically foundation, you know, have a medical foundation, we understand Epstein-Barr and chronic fatigue are not the same. I don't want to mislead anybody that it is. It's we can get into the what actually is adrenal yeah. fatigue and all that in another so well, show. Well, and that's the go-to blames when riders just get worn out. Yeah. But it's it, that's not necessarily always what it is. It it's could not, just be this. That's why I like you to look for the four external signs mm -hmm. of craving simple sugars, night sweats, low sex drive, tired and you can't sleep because those are non-emotional. Mm -hmm. You know, as much as we may joke about, you know, the sex drive, we can turn it on, turn it off. Those are just non-emotional external signs. The part that becomes so dangerous in all of this is when you boil down adrenal fatigue, why do we wait until it becomes a diagnosed disease? Because once it's, if you want to get highly technical at a 10,000 foot level, when you have a cold sore, it's in the family of the herpes. So when you have adrenal fatigue, all of that is in the same, I mean, adrenal fatigue isn't having herpes. I'm saying usually when you have a cold sore that breaks out, it's because the body's excessively stressed. So it's showing you. It's, it's yeah, an it's external, external sign, sign of stress. Yeah. So when you look at all of those external signs, how many more do you need? Right. And it's not like a motor where I can reach in and I can rebuild your adrenals. The only thing that rebuilds the muscle, the body from the inside out, because you got to remember cells, they make up tissue. Tissue makes up an organ. Series of organs make up a system. So when we say at a cellular level, that's why blood results are so important. If you're constantly out of range, you're out of range for one of only three reasons. You're not eating enough. You're burning it faster than you can get it in, or you're just simply not absorbing what you're eating. That's why blood, that's why blood work is so advantageous, because it is the foundation of health. Yeah. But we wait until we get adrenal fatigue, and if you've never had it, unfortunately, the only prescription for adrenal fatigue, sleep and eat. Sleep and eat. That's what they're going to tell you. And it's ruined a lot of people's careers that we all know. So takeaway here is don't feel bad about catching a nap, sleeping in a little bit. Absolutely. And good fats are just that. Very yeah, good. Very, very good yeah. fats. There's a lot more resources over at CompleteRacingSolutions.com. Uh, I would recommend going over there, uh, punching in and checking in with Rob, all the things he's got there for free. Uh, you can also look at advanced memberships that will allow you access to a lot more. Uh, so we really appreciate you being on. Thank Stay you, tuned for more MPH videos. Thanks for watching the Whiskey Throttle Show, now available on the Spot Network, an independent standalone streaming platform live now on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire, Google Play, Android TV, most smart TVs, and all phones and tablets. Look for future live shows and specials only available on Spot Network. Download the app today on your favorite device. And don't forget to like and subscribe and click the bell to get alerts for all the latest content. Follow us on Twitter at W underscore throttle underscore show and on TikTok, Facebook and Instagram at Whiskey Throttle Show.